Welcome to Know Your Gear QA number 205. It's another Friday. We've made it through another week. We're ready for our weekend. <laughs> I'm ready for the weekend. I hope you guys are ready for the weekend. And uh, we already have a bunch of people on and a bunch of questions. And I came early, as a lot of you did, and, and kind of screenshot some, some questions. So what are we going to do? We're going to start with the very first question of the day. This is the very first one that was posted. It came from uh, Nikos, who said, Hey, Phil, I'm trying to intonate my Telecaster with a three-saddle bridge, but every time the low E string is intonated, the A string isn't, and vice versa. Can it be fixed without changing the bridge? Um, no. <laughs> Here's why. Uh, the intonation on a Telecaster, first of all, it depends, okay? What I've learned about the three-saddle Telecaster, and everybody's going to have a ton of opinions, so, uh, you know, ergo, be prepared for it. But what I'm going to tell you doing them setting up telly, three-saddle tellies over the years for customers is some customers don't care, some care. What I mean by that is um, I personally feel that country musicians – are some of the strictest when it comes to perfect intonation. I'm just saying that based on customers, okay? So a customer comes in and they play jazz. I know I'm in for a little bit of a workout to make their guitar and make them happy. Uh, if a guitar comes in and they're a shredder and they need that super low action, of course, you're going to be making sure those frets are dialed in because otherwise you're not going to get that action low. But country players have always been, the good ones especially, <laughs> even more so. Uh, there's something in the, that style of music that requires uh, this, the bending of notes to be perfect. There's a lot of uh, uh, sounds in country that if you do it wrong, it's very dissonant and, it, dissonant and it doesn't sound right. So the reason I tell you that is I constantly hear people say, oh, uh, you know, t- three saddles t- telly suck and they can't intonate. Yet some musicians play them in... Uh, in Nashville, <laughs> some of the hardest places to uh, to play, and hardest meaning, you know, it's the the most difficult bosses with the highest standards. Um, and some uh, players can't play them, and it, sometimes it has to do with your style of the way you play. Sometimes it has to do with how focused you are and what's intonated, because no guitar is intonated a hundred percent correctly, not in my experience. So even when you get it perfect. And it's perfect. There's always some strange chords you can play. Um, so let me give you an example. Let's say that I, uh, you gave me the, your your Telecaster, or any guitar really, and I set it up and I put it on my Peterson strobe tuner and I dialed it in and the strobe tuner is just saying dead on, uh, <laughs> dead on, accurate, you're intonated. You're still going to find some chords that are kind of out there. And, and that's why I bring up the country players, national players. Some of them will intonate the guitar slightly out so that the chords they're going to be playing in that song are, are in. So my answer to you is if you're having a problem with it and it's really driving you crazy – uh, I think you're you're chasing a fool's errand if you're just going to sit there and try to keep adjusting those saddles. Go ahead and get the um, the adjustable uh, saddles. There's a bunch of out there. There's a ton. Uh, I there's suggestions. Everybody's going to have like Wilkinson. Um, you name it, they're out there. Um, so check them out. Uh, read the reviews. Here's here's the funny thing. Uh, I'm. It's a little tough for me to answer on that. Because I do have a bunch of Telecasters, and I have no Telecasters that uh, have that don't have six individual saddles. So even uh, and I want to point this out: all my uh, Telecasters, uh, well, not all of them, but all the Telecasters uh, that I've 
purchased over the years that had the three saddles, I did not put the Wilkinson on there. I did not put any of the uh, fan adjustable ones. I only put individual saddles. Why? Because it's easy. <laughs> it's an easy to swap that bridge out. It's fast. It's, uh, you know, it sounds good. <laughs> it intonates fast. It's good. And, uh, and, um, and I find as long as I have the mass, in other words, I'm using the blocks, I don't use the bent saddles. Um, so as long as I use the block saddles, uh, the individual block saddles, I don't care what brand, I don't care what, as long as it's got some mass to it, I don't notice a difference, a massive difference, I should say, in tone. So that's what I would suggest to you is, yeah, change out those saddles. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, and they're not even expensive. Uh, there's a, a a guy who watches the channel uh, who does Benzonite parts, Benzonite, and uh, uh, compensated saddles. They're fantastic saddles. Like I said, Wilkinson saddles, uh, Benzonite, Benzonite. You can check them out on Reverb. Of course, you can check out those. Uh, they're not gonna. They're not gonna. They're not gonna kill you. You know what I mean? It's. Uh, it's realistically, it's. I think it should be any. On the high end, they're probably thirty five dollars, and on the low end, they're probably fifteen to twenty dollars. So there you go. There you go. Um, okay, I'm going to go a little out of order because I'm seeing questions. I, and so if I see a question I like, I try to grab it. Spacefish, uh, good name. That's why I grabbed your <laughs> saw it. Spacefish. Uh, he says, "Can you level a fret with just sandpaper?" Um, a fret, yes. I actually have a video where I do a fret with some sandpaper. Um, it's a special kind of, of sander, but it, yeah, a little sandpaper. Uh, that is, um, I'll put a link uh, when this is timestamp, but it's the uh, slick video I did. It's the green strat slick video. I forgot what the name of the video is. I apologize. Um, it's probably got more of a clickbaity title like, you know, fix this guitar for a dollar or whatever the hell gets people to click on a video nowadays. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, you do the work. You got to figure out how to get people to watch it. So um, uh, anyways, the the point is uh, in that video, I do just that. So, yeah, you can. Um, you can. It's uh, You don't need files. Sandpaper work. I've seen so many things in, in my journeys in the guitar world with people that I've seen almost that it's impossible to actually give definitive answers to anything because of the fact that every time I, could, I think, oh, you can't do that or you can do that. I see somebody break that rule. Uh, so it happens all the time. <laughs> so uh, so there you go. Uh, but yeah, you absolutely can. Would I crown and level all the frets? You said a fret. Say singular. Uh, yeah, one, maybe two. Would I use that? Yeah, I did. I did it in that video and I do it all the time. How, uh, would I crown and level like an entire fretboard with it? Sure, you can do that as well too. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, you can use a, a, a flat beam, a sanding beam and, and use sandpaper. It's done every day. Uh, uh, if you go to the PRS factory, they'll use a sanding sandpaper on a beam. You know, you don't have to use files to do it. Uh, it's done all the time. It's, uh, it's... <sighs> The, 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 the thing that I want to convey and I try to convey in all my videos that I've done in the past and that hopefully starts a lot of you on a journey of checking out other channels that do other cool stuff. You know what I mean? Um, I like a level on my channel that's like, okay, this is how you take care of stuff uh, moderately. This is how you can fix things. This is how you can do stuff. How do you mod up these inexpensive guitars? That's really a focus of, of a channel sometimes, right? Um, and uh, my point to that is, is that um, uh, when you watch other channels, especially like Luthier channels doing stuff, you're going to notice the same thing. There's no real need for all this crazy stuff. Sometimes the the tool that you love is not that expensive. 
<laughs> on a side note, I don't know how I got into this, but <laughs> I ha- I'll let you guys know next week. I think, okay, I'll let you know next week on the channel. Send a message out. I'm pretty sure there's no live show next Friday. It'll be moved to a Thursday or Saturday. I'll let everybody know. And the reason is, is I'm doing this panel uh, with all these, like, master luthiers. Um, Yeah, it'll be interesting because I understand why I'm there. And you guys will understand why I'm there, too, because I'm going to be talking about kind of like the modern, more modern way of thinking about stuff uh versus some of the ways it's done but but i'm i'm just saying uh when you see it it'll be um it it, when it was explained to me (laughs) i was very excited about it but at first reaction i think you'll have the same reaction i did which is what why why with those guys those guys are like the best guitar builders in the world (laughs) but once I seen how the questions are coming down on this panel, it, it made sense. I think there's a reason for me to be there. At least I hope there will be. And uh, I think it'll be fun. I, maybe I'll make it fun. I think they're fun guys, but I think I'll make it. Uh, I think I'll take it out of the comfort zone a little bit. Um, Sean Brooks says, Phil, why do PRS amps get zero attention? Um, well, first of all, PRS amps are hit and miss. They have some turds and they have some great ones, and it's not as uh, it's not as easy as uh, their guitars, which is you know a lot of respect for their guitars. Look, even when people slam PRS guitars, think about the slams that people say. The slam is like, oh, they're expensive, or they're for doctors, lawyers, or they have no soul. That's the big one, and I always hit with them with. Uh, none of those things are attack on quality. <laughs> it's like right. I mean, you could even if you say like a Parker guitar is a great. A guitar to talk about that people go it's ugly ugly doesn't mean the quality's bad so if you're going to get attacked on your on your merits those are the merits you want to be attacked on right you don't want people to go oh they're they're crap um the amp lines they've had hurt or misses look i i've done some videos especially you can see a couple on my uh, second channel um with the with the amp builder the designer there and i think some of their amps are some of my favorite. Like my archon's one of my favorite amps my custom 50 i think the uh the tremani yeah the tremani uh 15 mt15 is a fantastic amplifier um especially for the price i think they make some good stuff i think sincero was hit or miss uh i've tried a bunch of sinceros i've done a review on a couple of them and there were some things i absolutely liked about those amps and there's some things i absolutely didn't like about those amps but um but if you go through like if you go on reverb and type in prs amplifiers you're gonna see some weird stuff you're gonna be like solid state amps from the 80s when they went through that phase i think me personally uh my opinion on this is i think before paul smith the owner got smart and hired somebody the amp designer they have now before they hired him to basically Doug Sewell, by the way, uh, when they hired Doug uh, uh, to to basically design the new amps, I think they just threw. I don't know. I think they tried a couple times and it just didn't work. In my opinion, it didn't work. Um, some of the amps they made, of course, like the Dallas. By the way, that amp is fantastic. I love that amp. There was a time I should have bought that amp. I had one for a while, and then I sold it. <laughs> And then I came across another one a year ago, and I should have bought it again. I, I regret. I regret it. Um, but uh, so that's. But main reason they don't get attention is also that's not their focus too. It's like their acoustic guitars. They do it. They do a good job. It's not their focus. In other words, focus meaning, you know what I mean. That's not where they're gonna. They're not gonna pay the bills with that stuff. So it's it's just added on. Okay, hold on a second. I'm sporting this week my ginormous cup this is a huge mug 
with this huge oversized logo on it. Uh, and, um, <laughs> and I do that. And it's so funny. It should be like product placement, but this is not a mug again for sale. Just these are mugs. My, this, my wife made this for me. She keeps making me all these crazy mugs <laughs> with my logos on it. Uh, I, I think because she's experimenting with ideas. So these are all like prototypes. This is a prototype mug. I have no idea if she's making it or not. Um, I just I needed something to put water in, and it was in the cabinet. <laughs> okay, and I try to I try to help use my my Know Your Gear mugs on the show because it's the Know Your Gear show. Um, uh, <laughs> Cerise Cerise says PRS makes turds. Whoa, yes, I always love it. And then I'll get a comment later. Someone will be like, I can't believe you said that. I'm like, you know. There's nothing wrong with saying that. That's why, that's what makes, look, you have to be honest about this stuff. Otherwise, the praise is just washed over and worthless. I love my PRS guitars. They're some of the best built guitars in the world. That, that has weight. It should, not because my opinion is valuable, but my opinion is truthful because uh, uh, when they're not great, I'll say that too. Uh, but they make great stuff. And like I said, two of my favorite amps in my amps that I use are PRS amps. But, that being said, not all of them were great, <laughs> which is why which is why they have that those kind of questions come. Okay, so um, and then SCJR said, I think Parker's look cool as hell. I do too. <laughs> That's why I have one. <laughs> I love it. Um, we'll be right back. Ever wonder how your favorite entertainers and athletes made it from childhood to the spotlight? Join me, Nashville-based entertainment reporter Jennifer Vickery-Smith, as I chat with moms of entertainers and entertaining moms on my hit podcast, Got It From My Mama. You'll hear delightful conversations with moms of everyone from the Jonas Brothers, Luke Bryan, Kelsey Ballerini, Steph Curry, Travis Kelsey, and so many more, sharing the journey from a perspective only a mama can share. New episodes weekly as we share the best conversations of family, faith, and fame on the Got It From My Mama podcast. Okay, hold on. Okay, hold on. I'm sorry. I was reading a question, but I'm getting a little lost. So I think I'll have to go to a question that I can I could process a little faster. Okay, so uh, here's the next one. This one comes from Tractor Monkey. Uh, it's <laughs> try love that. It says if I change strings from tens to nines on a Paul Reed Smith PRS SE with a fixed style bridge, will I have to worry about resetting the intonation? Probably not. Okay. Um, the main reason is is that. It's and I say probably because it, it does depend on how high your action is. There's a couple other factors in there, but uh, the reason I have to do it, I have to give you a, ca- a caveat answer because I don't obviously want you to do it and then it, I'd be wrong. Right? I want to be right. So here's what I'm going to tell you: it is not likely you'll have to adjust intonation. Um, my general rule for a setup, a change, even not even intonation, just action setup, adjust, adjustment, an action uh, setup is. Um, I hear it all the time. It's really something that you hear in music stores a lot. Like, oh, if you change from tens to nines, you got to do a whole new setup. I'm like, not always. In fact, in most cases, going one gauge of strings in one direction is fine. So like I said, if you go tens and nines, you don't need a setup necessarily. If you go nines and tens, you're fine. If you go nines or elevens, you're probably going to have to because it's really going to change things, right? Um, 
but no, you should be able to get away with it. To this point, <laughs> to that point, I should say, um, I do it all the time. Sometimes I'm just, uh, you know, I'll take a, uh, maybe a few days. That's all it takes for me. Uh, a couple days, maybe three or four days of not playing any guitar. And I'll pick up my guitar that has tens and it's just, oh, I'm having trouble with it. And I'll just yank them off and put nines on real fast and play with nines for a few days until I'm back in, 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 in my, you know, my old kind of playing style. Um, and I don't change. I, in most cases, I don't have to change anything. Just do it. So you should be fine. Now, the reason I gave the caveat is should be, I wouldn't worry about it. But if you notice a slight, uh, you know, intonation is slightly out, then yeah, then you had to, you know, you'll have to because of the other circumstances. But in most cases, you're safe. And whatever adjustments you do will be very minor. So, you know, you won't be chasing something down for an hour. You should be able to do that very quickly if, if you're happy with everything else. Um, <laughs> okay, Carl Mc... Quitty. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to say this. I got to, I got to, uh, uh, okay. It's uh, so it says, Phil, how do I get a high vibe system? So the high vibe system, it says their website is janky as F <laughs> and it doesn't actually have an option to buy one. Can you help a strummer out? So I, it's funny. I, I thank you for putting the question early. Um, this question was at 143, by the way. So thank you. So quite early an hour and 20 minutes before the show started. Um, but uh, the reason I also wanted to answer it, not only was first, was um, the uh, the uh, High Vibe guys reached out to me, and they're sending me a unit, an actual unit to install in a guitar. And uh, I'm going to film an install video um, of my experience installing it. I've never done one before, but I've done a pickup system uh, that's harder. <laughs> uh, they were actually, they sent me all this stuff, and I was looking at it, all their stuff, and I was like, I've actually installed stuff that was crazier than this. This actually doesn't look so crazy. Uh, but of course, you know, famous last words. Um, my my point uh, to you is, I, if it helps you, is I think they understand that. Uh, I think they're baby step into the waters on this, on where to get them. They don't want to sell the units direct to people. They want to sell them to uh, facilities to install them, right? Um, because they don't want us installing them. I'm not sure why, but I'm going to experience it and be able to share it with you. So, so Carl, I will share the experience, obviously, the video with you, you guys, um, because everybody keeps asking me about that lag high vibe. What do I think? What do I think? What do I think? And here's what it comes down to. I like lag guitars. I do. I like the high vibe system. In fact, I really like the high vibe system. However, I still think the missed opportunity on the high vibe system is a travel guitar. I just think about a parlor size or a mini kind of smaller bodied guitar, something to travel, something I could throw in the back hatch of the of the car and go is is with a high vibe system would be the coolest thing ever. So my plan is once I get the high vibe system is I'm going to install it. I'm going to go out and buy a, a travel size acoustic guitar that I like and put it in there. And then that's it. That'll be my thing. I'll be using that forever. Um, to me, the idea I could take this acoustic with me and have a looper and have, you know, effects and, and be able to play uh, uh, my Bluetooth, you know, play my phone, play music through it. Oh, this is the best thing ever. I'm, I'm, I'm super, super stoked about this. Um, and uh, I don't know what kind of mini guitar I'm going to buy yet. 
<laughs> uh, the way I like to buy acoustics is uh, I go try them. <laughs> I have I have never bought an acoustic on the internet. I can buy a guitar, electric guitars all day. I think there's a way I can mathematically figure out where I am with the guitar. You know what I mean? Like this is based on this. This is based on this. I think it's going to sound like this. And I get the guitar and you try it. Acoustics, I can pick up five exact acoustics in a store and hate, you know, four of them. And then love the fifth one. <laughs> so that's so I'll probably go do that. I'll go try some acoustics out and uh, figure out which one I'm going to install that stuff in. But so you know, I don't. I think they're just not ready to sell them to the public. I think they were really gauging everybody's interest. So when they reached out to the public and said, "Hey, do you want to buy one of these?" I think that was like, "Is there a market for this?" <laughs> and uh, again, based on the email correspondence I've had with them, they got overwhelmed with responses from people. So they. I guess they thought it was probably better as a finished product built in a guitar. They didn't realize a lot of people love their acoustics and want to stick that system in their acoustic. Um, Randy came early and said, Randy said, hey, Phil, I went to the local guitar center the other day and it looked half empty. Do you think that they'll be, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. Do you think they will close down by the end of the year? No. Uh, you know, who the hell knows anymore, right? Um, who wants to predict anything a year out? But no, uh, they're empty mostly because they're selling through everything and then a lot of stuff's not getting replenished. Uh, it, it's really consistent with all the stores. We've been talking about this since COVID. Look, this is a very consistent thing with everyone. Sweetwater, low inventory. Everybody has low inventory. Um, it's just how it works. I, I was dealing with that this week with a store. They, like literally, the, um, I was trying to trying to give some patronage to a store, <laughs> if that makes any sense. I was trying to do business with a store. Uh, I wanted to. It's for a lot of reasons. They're a, they're a mom and pop I like. And just I couldn't find anything to buy. They just don't have any selection of anything. And it's not their fault. And, they're, and they told me they're selling like crazy. Everything's great. Um, they're all selling like crazy. So they can't get inventory. So I don't think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's bad right now. Guitar Center's big problem probably going forward will probably be what to do about lessons and what to do with the square footage they've devoted to lessons. Um, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Um, I'm not sure how that's going to go back into play. I have friends that are guitar teachers, of course, <laughs> and uh, uh, it's 50-50 response out there. Half of them have seen huge uh, uh, you know, cuts in their student base, and some of them have doubled. Uh, depends on how they're doing the students and, and their areas and you know, all that stuff. Um, but to answer your question, I don't see the empty stores as a sign of them doing really bad. They filed their bankruptcy. They reorganized. Uh, they worked out pretty much everything with their creditors. They should be financially stronger. I'm still confused why they're not closing some stores, especially now. It seems like a smart move, but maybe that'll be the long play, or maybe they just think they got it all figured out. And they'll just keep going with it. But um, what I can tell you is here's a side note too, because, you know, you know, who do you, you know, who do you trust on this issue? Um, the reason I believe that they are empty because of the fact that they are selling through, because that's what they, they've told me, employees have told me that. Um, but the reason I believe that is I also know from talking to some manufacturers, they're not adding any dealers right now. They can barely supply the dealer networks they have. They can't fill the orders uh, that they're getting. Um, so, I mean, all the stories line up is what I'm trying to say, right? Guitar Center is basically saying they're having trouble getting product and the manufacturers are saying they're tr- having trouble getting the product to the to the dealers. So everybody's story lines up and everybody's story is they're selling a bazillion, bazillion dollars worth of gear to everyone all the time. <laughs> and I believe it because as I pointed out just in a couple shows ago, 
I don't know what the hell is wrong with all you guys and this buy and use gear for more than new stuff. I keep seeing it. It is cracking me up. Please. <laughs> if that, if you know, do what makes you happy. If you got the money and you just don't care, good for you. This week, again, actually it was last week, again, I was out looking for a guitar I was interested in. I'm not going to tell you which one because I think I want to do a video on it. And everywhere I went, everyone was asking either the same, more, or 90% of what it was used. And yet again, I went, <laughs> went out and bought it directly from a music store for 20, almost 20% less, actually 25 to be exact, 25% less than everyone is asking for that same guitar used on Reverb right now. To the point where <laughs> I almost was depressed. I'm actually, I'm not even kidding, for like two days because I was super happy with the guitar, except for all I was thinking was maybe I should sell it right now and make 25%. So I was like, okay, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to I like it, but deep down I'm like, I guess if these people out there are going to pay more than more than new for, <laughs> for a used guitar, and I think it's and I really do believe this is uh you guys just aren't looking hard enough. Look, it's a seller's market. We get that. But you still can look harder. Try, make phone calls, call stores. That store had no problem. First of all, let's for the point, because uh, I'm not going to talk about this in the review because um, uh, it doesn't pertain. But I want to point out what's funny about the situation was the store had it for almost 20 percent below everyone else. <laughs> not every other new dealer, everyone selling it new or used. And then when I walked in there, I got them to do tax out the door. There you go. That's like in my state, it's like another 8 <laughs> percent. So, the, all right. So uh, my point is stop buying these damn used guitars for more than new. It's silly. It's just silly. Uh, and you're going to regret it. It's uh, it's unless, of course, like I said, God bless you all that have the money and don't care. Me, I got to, you know, I got to pay bills. I got kids. I got <laughs> right. I got stuff. And there's just there's just no there's no guitars that I'm just going to I'm going to go crazy and waste my money on. Unless, of course, I really, really you know, like a dream, some kind of dream guitar or something. Um, the pick says 10% for California. Yeah. I, where I live, uh, how it usually works is it doesn't matter if you're st what state you're in. Uh, every state has state tax and then city tax. So I think in Arizona, I think I'm doing this off memory. Somebody, if you correct me, if I'm wrong, I'm just going to give you gradual. I think it's six and a half percent is state tax here. And then each city adds their tax. That sounds right. It might be seven and a half now. And then so like uh, where I live, uh, like a lot of places in the world, um, if I drive 10 minutes in four different directions, I'm in, in within 10 minutes, I'm in four different cities, right? Because all their cities touch. So uh, if I'm in one city, it's seven and a half percent sales tax with city and state. And if I go in another city, it's nine percent. And if I go one city, it's eight. And the one I went to was the most expensive city, which I think was Phoenix or it might have been Tempe. Either way, where I live, Tempe, I think Tempe and Phoenix are the more expensive uh, cities. Again, somebody, if somebody corrects me, it's like, it's Mesa or whatever. I don't care. I'm just, I, I don't even pay attention. I just happen to know that there's, that's because, you know, we used to collect sales tax at the store. So it, we had Chandler sales tax with the state sales tax. Uh, 
Kevin says, I would never pay more than new price, just couldn't make myself do it. It is weird. It is weird. And I keep seeing it over and over again. I'm just not there. There's just not that much stuff not, that you can't. I mean, there's so much stuff. <laughs> I mean, I get it. You know, like if you want a certain type of guitar and a certain color and this is exactly what you want. Yeah. And there's four to, to choose from in the, on the Internet or and you can find and that sucks. Fine. But for me, I'm just like, oh, OK, I'll I'll pivot towards another brand or another thing that I think is just as cool or interesting. So, all right, let's get back focused. Okay, so uh, next question was, um, uh, this one's really easy just because it was Russell asked, again, early question said, Russell said, hey, Phil, haven't heard you mention the Supersonic lately. Uh, still have it or just not using it much? Just not using it much. Uh, I was using it the other night as an AB to the Tone Master amp. I did the Tone Master video. Uh, obviously, yesterday's video was the uh, new Sterling Access video. That actually got bumped up because of the Tone Master video issues. The Tone Master video issues are simple. I, I filmed it. The audio came out great. The Obviously, the video came out great. Um, I had a mental question about it when I finished editing and I sent it to a friend and I asked my friend, I said, Hey, watch this video and tell me what you think I think of that amp. And he responded with, and I kid you not, a text that just said, you hate it. And I'm like, that's not exactly true. But I think that's what the problem with the video is, is I was trying to balance the answers out, you know, with some of my thoughts of what I didn't like about the amp, some of the things I do like about the amp. So I'm going to re not re-edit it. I'm going to refilm it and, and do it for the fresh again. Um, it'll still be the same information. I just think the tonality was rough. I feel like uh, I, he agreed with me. It seemed like I was angry at that amp or something. <laughs> I wasn't angry. I'm just, it's, it's an interesting amp. It's very perplexing to talk about. So there are a lot, like I said, with a Tone Master amp series, which is why I want this video to be right, because I know a lot of you out there like me, look, I was, I wanted one. So I bought one, but I've been wanting one for a while. And every review was like, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's just so freaking amazing. And that is not the experience I'm having with the amp, but it doesn't mean it's a bad amp. It's just there's some things that if you if you care about these things, you're going to hate this amplifier and you should stay the hell away from it. And if there's some things that you don't care and you like certain other things, you're going to love this amp. It has a purpose, but it's a very specific purpose for a very specific type of player and problem. So there you go. All right. Uh, <laughs> on a tangent. Uh, what else are we going to do? One more question off the uh, pre-questions because uh, I grabbed a bunch, but... Um, uh, okay. So this one came from, I think it's Al just says Al. Okay. Al says, Hey Phil, uh, what's the deal with limited edition guitars available only at some websites, but seem to be around for years. That's the twist to this question. We've been answering this question before, but I like that, that twist. He says, are they limited to the number that can be sold <laughs> right profitably? Um, we've talked about this, but this is the thing about limited edition guitars, limited edition, anything. Okay, limited, right? Anniversary. It's all a, a stab in the dark for the most part, right? When you do a limited edition guitar, um, there are sometimes it works great, okay? Uh, in other words, everybody's like, wow, that's great. What a great color. It's unique. It's different. Uh, and uh, they maybe they make 100 units and there's at least 200 people out there that think it's cool and therefore they sell it in a minute. However, however... Sometimes, 
they mess up. You know, they they predict wrong and they order order a hundred units and there's only fifty people and then they sit forever. That's what they do with them. So um, when you see a limited edition sit around for a long time, I, it's not usually the case that they are. Uh, keep making them even though past what they say they're limited to. Usually there's two reasons that I've experienced in the past why you're going to see that that product, that guitar, the amp for a long period of time. One, no one's buying them. That happens. Or the second, which is also very likely, is they were sent out in um, in batches. So so for instance, maybe if there was even if it's a hundred units or a thousand units or fifty, it doesn't matter. If it's a hundred units, they might send out twenty the first batch and then because that way it helps the factory kind of paste them in. In other words, you know, they don't have to shut down production for four or five days just to make all this limited stuff. They can literally parcel them out over time. And that gives the dealer sometimes some incentive. The, the, we had done that in the past too. Sometimes that's really good for the dealer, okay? Um, because most dealers, uh, even large dealers, I mean, we're not talking about Sweetwater stuff. That's a different kind of game. But a lot of dealers are going to be running on two kinds of, of, of type of credit. They're going to be running on like a flooring program, GE flooring program, or they're going to be running on a net program, which means net meaning uh, they have a certain amount of time to pay the manufacturer before the product, you know, so... For instance, if they ship the product, uh, you might get 30 days, 60 days, 90, 30, 60, 90. You could space out your payments over those three months. You can get you know, six months deferred you, you know, uh, of, of time on your, on your net. But um, either way, it, to the dealer, for the, for the most part, trust me, when you're, when you're the person writing those checks, it doesn't feel deferred. <laughs> it feels like the stuff shows up like on Tuesday and on Wednesday the bills do, and you're like, already? So... Um, a lot of times, uh, to, in, to give incentive both ways, the manufacturer might tell a dealer like, okay, well, you got to do a hundred pieces or, you know, 25 pieces to get this order. And the manufacturer or the dealer will say, okay, um, but can we get like 10 and then 10 and then 10 spaced out over the next, let's say 12 months or whatever. So sometimes those things come in play too. It, so reason I tell you all that is, yeah, sometimes it seems like it's like shysty, like they're, they're doing something little, little sinister but most of the time it's not <laughs> there's, there's there's not a whole lot of that stuff out there um not not that i've seen not that i've seen most limited stuff is just there's no reason to do that um i've never even physically seen a story uh me personally like i haven't witnessed it i've never witnessed in any situation as a customer as a dealer uh as as uh, someone who's friends with dealers and customers and all that stuff no, no, nowhere in my travels have i seen anybody go oh we told everybody we do 100 units but it sold so well we ended up doing 200 that's usually not the case the only time i've ever seen oh that even close to that is at the NAM show, sometimes I've seen manufacturers state it will be limited, but they haven't decided the number until they get the orders. That's smart, <laughs> by the way. I think that's really, really good uh, uh, plan. I think that's the best one out there. Take the orders. And, um, you know, Paul Reed Smith used to do this thing. I don't think they do it anymore, but I used to love that they did this. They would do anniversary runs and limited runs, and then that's what they, they would have a window to order the stuff. So it wasn't, it was a limited number of units. It was a limited time the dealers could order the product. So they go, okay, from January till April, you can order them. And, and so basically if they, they got uh, 10,000 orders, they made 10,000 of those limited run, you know, products. If they got 500 orders, they did 500, right? And I think that's great because really what you want for everyone to be successful and happy is you want the dealers to have enough to 
satisfy what uh, the demand is and get their money back, the manufacturer to to, to get all the products sold out, and everybody who wanted one to get one. And and if there's an argument that says no, that sucks. Well, I'd like to refer you to all the scalping that you see on reverb all the time because it's exactly what the hell happens every time they don't make enough limited stuff. So limited is like it's like playing. It's like literally gambling with your money and gear. It's the weirdest situation. You can do a limited 100-piece uh, run of a product, and if they run out in a minute, well, guess what? If you didn't get yours, you're going to be paying double on reverb to somebody who's reselling it, which sucks. Or or uh, you bought one, and they didn't sell at the last 50, and then they have to blow them out at the end of the year, and you obviously got screwed because you're the one that paid the full price and no one's ever going to you know, give you anything close to that because you paid too much. So there you go. All right, let's hit some super chats because they've been kind of backing up. I think it's cool on YouTube they call you supers. And I got a little column here and it says supers. These are the supers. I think YouTube calls you that because they get a big chunk of your money too and they're happy you're doing it. Uh, Craig says, hey, Phil, from now on, my name for you is Gas Man. Uh, you, you ever seen Dumber Dumber? It's the Gas Man. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm a Dumb and Dumber fan. Okay, so anyways, uh, have you uh, ever show... Um, I made myself laugh and I got sidetracked. Actually, I'll tell you what I was thinking right now. Sometimes you get sidetracked. I was thinking I am a Dumb and Dumber fan. I finally let my kids watch it and my kids did not think it was funny. All right. They thought it was lame. <laughs> so, uh, uh, all right. Anyways, uh, since every show leaves me looking for another acquisition, uh, have a great weekend. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. If I, you know, if I'm a drug dealer, this is the drug I want to sell. I want to sell, uh, music and gear and and things that hopefully make your life a better better for it i don't think anyone's worse off <laughs> unless you're putting yourself in hock don't do that <laughs> but uh every, everything else should be good thank you andy says um it's actually it's andy in okc okay so says hey phil what's the best way to deal with a potential buyer okay whose first inquiry is what's the least you will take uh, have anyone, uh, ever seen my joke? I posted this joke on Instagram, uh, last year. And it was, uh, my favorite question is what's the lowest you'll go on this or what's the lowest you've ever, wait, what was the, what was the joke? Um, what's the lowest you've, what's the lowest you, you will go on this guitar? And I go, I think it's like, I, I had it to drop C once. So anyways, um, is a bad joke, dad joke. Okay, so his question is, the person basically came to him and said, um, oh, no, he did this. Let's, let's clear this all up. Let's figure out, let's take a second and analyze this. Andy, what you're saying is, is you're saying the buyer's first inquiry is, what's the least you will take? So that was you that did that. So he sent this to some, some, to some seller. So Andy wants to buy a product, okay? And he said, what's the least you will take? And he, and so he said, the, the seller seemed offended and responded with, what's the most you will pay? Yeah, here's the deal. <laughs> to, to, so the question is, what's the best way to deal with a potential buyer? Um, well, first of all, your strategy sucks and his strategy sucks. So let's, let's look at it that way, okay? 
because obviously you're never going to get anywhere. The <laughs> he's first of all, half the time, you know, if you send that to somebody, what's the least you'll take? They're not even going to respond, right? Um, the reason is, let me give some insights on this. There is a weird customer out there. They exist on every platform, Craigslist, Reverb, eBay. They go into music stores. They just exist. I don't know. Some of you might be this person, so knock it off because it sucks. They're just curious about stuff. I don't know what it is. They walk in and they're like, well, what's, what's the lowest you'll take? But they just want to know. <laughs> the reason I tell you that is because if you're a seller of anything, You've experienced this so many times that you just don't you just don't even find that to be a, a, a thing worth. Tr- in other words, there's no reason to deal with that person because most of the time it ends with, oh, okay. It's like, what's the lowest you'll take on this guitar? Uh, 500 bucks. And they go, okay. And then they leave or they don't respond. Uh, so so if somebody, let me, let me back up and I'll, I'll give it to you this way. So if you sent me the message, uh, what's the least I would take on Reverb? Um, my response to you would actually, I wouldn't even respond with verbiage. I'd respond with an offer button. I'd send you the offer of what I would really take because I don't have to answer the question. You can either accept that offer and buy it or not. It makes it easy. That's what I love about Reverb. Every time somebody says, hey, will you take 10% off? I don't even say yes. I just send them the, the, the offer. You know, just, yeah, because you know why? I don't really care. (laughs) Just if you want to buy it for the price, I'll I'll put it. Now, right now, we already discussed, it's a seller's market. So no one really wants to hear, you know, what deal do you want? The, uh, so here's, here's what I'm saying. This, this is why I'm saying this is easy, man. You, all you have to do is come with a little etiquette. You have to kind of massage somebody. Put it this way. If it matters, if you really want the product, if you want the guitar, let's just say it's a guitar. You want this guitar and you want to pay less for it because we all want to pay less for something. You're going to have to learn to massage a little bit. Be a little nice. Be a little savvy. And, uh, and, that's, and, that's, and that's the thing. You don't need to give a story. I get stories all the time. I'm always kind of like, I understand. Somebody's like, I really want your guitar, but, you know, I only have 68 cents in my penny jar and this is and you're like okay fine i don't really care what the story is so that's why i always like chuckle uh this is my tactic it really works okay so here's how it works i i always start with a compliment why because compliments do get you far (laughs) they do there's nothing wrong especially a truthful compliment so here's a good example let's say i wanted that framus guitar and it was on reverb and i know that the person is asking maybe too much and I want that guitar. Or maybe I don't want to pay what they're asking, maybe because I think it's too much. doesn't matter. I'll, res- I'll start with something truthful and complimentary, which is, I really like your guitar. It's very beautiful. Or I really like this guitar. It's really nice. Whatever, you- use the, the verbiage that is honest. In other words, how you really talk. <laughs> if you don't say those kind of things, don't say that thing. Say it's awesome or it's freaking cool. right? Whatever it is, be truthful. Just say, I really like this guitar. You have a really nice, you know, guitar. And, um, and I would like, you know, and then you just got to tell them what you're willing to pay. Like, Hey, I know you're asking 500. Would you take 480? Now here's what you're doing. When you do that, now they have to decide. This is an easy decision for anybody selling, by the way, do I want to wait and get full price? or take the money now. And that's assuming they don't have an offer button. Because if they have an offer button, you don't have to send what's the least you'll take. You send the offer. 
if your fear is that you don't want to send an offer because uh, they would go lower than what you said, well, then do research. <laughs> right? Um, I once I once had this experience uh, in a store, and I, I, I will never go back. It doesn't matter. And stores in California, so it's not even a local store here. I walked in a store, had no price tags. Look, I get it. I had a retail store. <laughs> Sometimes you can't mark all the stuff, okay? You're answering phones, you're doing stuff. A couple guitars don't get marked. People come in, what do you want for that guitar? And you're like, oh, oh let me look it up the book. This store purposely didn't put price tags on anything. And, <laughs> and this is my story. It goes like this. I said, same thing. Oh, this is a nice guitar. I don't see a price tag. They're like, yeah. And I go, uh, do you have a price? And they go, what do you want to pay? And I go, well, since you're here selling it, I was hoping you would figure that out. Actually, actually what I said, because I was sitting there going, I guess, I, I, I mean, and then sarcastically, like you could imagine, I said, I actually don't want to pay anything. Can I just have it? <laughs> right. I don't understand. Where are we supposed to start? Um, I'm not, I don't want to haggle people to death. <laughs> It's, it's not my joy. If, and some of you guys really get into that. Haggling is like a whole other thing. There's probably channels out there on that. I've, you've noticed I've never given any advice on how to haggle and how to you know, trick somebody into selling you something cheap. Why? I don't give a crap about that stuff. That's too much of my time, too much of my life taken away. I just really want to get the best deal for me and something fair for everybody because I feel like that's, that's the best way to do this. So in your, in your case... Uh, yeah, obviously he was offended because the statement was just too, too brash, you know, and that's just the reality of it. Now, personally, do I think somebody should be upset when somebody says, what's the least you'll take? No, but you have to understand there's more to the psychology than that. When somebody says, what's the least you will take, you're almost implying uh, to them that they are either overpriced their, their, their goods, or you've implied to them that they, the, the product's been around and they should be desperate right? So you're not going to get anywhere with that. And I think that's ultimately why you super chatted this today, because you want to get, you want to be successful at getting the thing you want. So what, like I said, start with a compliment, especially, I shouldn't say this because this is horrible. (laughs) Sometimes when I tell you guys stuff on these podcasts, I try to be really give you the good information, but man, sometimes I don't like saying stuff. Look, but I'm going to say it because I love you guys enough to, as a, I love this community, so I'll, tell, I'll share it with you. I've never understood why anyone wouldn't just be overly polite in an email. It's not like you have to fake a smile or a good mood, right? You could just type a good mood. I used to make uh, jokes that, um, by the way, I know some of you guys out there are really techy and smart, so here's the deal. I'm, I have money on the table for this, okay? Any of you guys know how to write an app or do an app thing? I don't know how to do any of that stuff. I have an idea for an app. Okay. I know everybody has an idea for an app. This is an idea for an app I've had for probably forever. It's an app that lets me type what I really want to say and then changes it into something nice. So I could put like, hey man, you are crazy. If you think you're getting $1,500 for that guitar, I'll give you 1300 bucks. And then the app sends, hey man, what a beautiful guitar. The price is a little steep for me right now. Could you come down a little, <laughs> Right. Because here's what I'm saying. You could just type all that nice stuff, and it works all the time. It works all the time. Especially since what happens is, uh, since I'm not in a hurry because I don't need any of this stuff, what has happened to me many times over is I I send a nice message to somebody. 
Uh, like I said, we're not even talking about offer buttons because if there's an offer button, you just send the offer. I'll send a thing saying, hey, I see your guitar's priced at this. I really like it. It's a beautiful guitar. However, my budget is this. I'm just curious to see if you're interested. Let me know. And then I always say, I understand if you want to wait to get your, the, your price. And here's what happened. Many times, what's happened? They say yes. Sometimes they say no. But sometimes when they say no, a day or two later, they email me because they waited a couple of days. And now they're not desperate. They're just getting desperate. And they go, still thinking, they go, would you do that price now? And I go, yeah, of course. Because unless, of course, I found something else. So uh, <laughs> I'm laughing at some of the comments. Somebody says, you have that app. It's called your wife. Yes, yes. <laughs> but I, wanted, I want my phone to just do it. <laughs> I just want it to, I just want to, I want my phone to say nice things so I don't have to think about the nice things you have to say. Um, but yeah, it's the warm and fuzzy app. <laughs> Brett says warm and fuzzy. Hmm. It does. It works. It's effective. And that's why I tell you guys that. Um, it, 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 it works. The only time being direct is good is if you're in the position of, of power in the negotiation. Being direct and honest is a very nice uh, trait in a person. But it's only really tolerated if you they have to take it from you. <laughs> right? So that's just my opinions. All right. Next question we have is Dan. Dan says, uh, what's a gear tragedy that happened to you at the old store? Uh, last week I saw a, a Guitar Center employee drop a $7,000 PRS coming down a ladder, huge chunk out of it. Okay. Let me do two things, and I'll tell you. I will tell you. Um, okay, I want to... Okay, so just because we're getting close to this, the first hour being finished and we don't want to go super, super, super long, I can't, I can't. Um, Robert Baker is the last Super Chat. So just no more Super Chats because uh, there's a lot, and I still want to get some non-Super Chats, and it's just... It just if you guys, I appreciate you guys supporting the channel for sure. Trust me. Financially, it makes sense to just do super chats for like four hours <laughs> on the videos. But, um, you know, I got a voice. Okay, so I got I to gotta keep it. All right, so Dan's question is, what is the tragedy that happened to me in my shop uh, where something like that happened? Here's the tragedy, I, the worst one. There was, there's, there was many, so I could, tell, I could tell one story a week for the next year. But this is the one that's the worst one. It goes like this. One night uh, at 7 o'clock at night, the reason why I say the time is because the store really it closed at 8 at night because we had lessons. And sometimes, you know, uh, not sometimes, between 7 and 8, the store was always dead because no one's really shopping at music stores. That's why a lot of them close early. Um, between 7 and 8, you get a couple customers coming in, get strings, maybe sell a guitar if you're lucky, a couple of things. And then most of what you're doing is just we used to call it holding down the counter. You hold down the counter literally and just watch students come in and go and say hi and goodbye and take payments if you need to do that. And, uh, there was a record store next to my store <laughs> and, uh, it was a record store where you could trade in records and tapes and stuff like that. So people would just go in and trade in their CDs and tapes and stuff. And, and everyone told us, uh, when, 
when we were next at Rick's store how great it was, but it really wasn't great. And the reason it wasn't great was because um, some people went into Rick's store and traded in their CDs and tapes. But if you traded in your CDs and tapes and, and video game stuff, uh, if you're trading, you would walk their store and look for their product. So you got to understand, when somebody went in and sold their uh, DVD collection or their stuff, um, well, they didn't walk their store because they uh, they're not going to buy anything. They're waiting for cash. So and it took it took them about 20, 30 minutes to to come up with a total for you if you had a bunch of stuff. So they would just come in our store and look around, which is fine. But I mean, they're not going to buy anything because they're hawking their CDs and tapes. Um, <laughs> that's just the reality of it. No problems. But so the reason I tell you that story is because we were used to this is what I'm trying to say. So uh, this, this three people come in. It's a daughter and a mom and a dad. And they're all heavy set. This is important to the story. <laughs> At least I think it's important to the story. Um, and they're walking around the store and it's obvious they don't play guitar because they ask me a few questions and I'm, I'm indulging them. And the questions are definitely of someone who doesn't understand. Like, are these guitars? You know, like, yeah, these are guitars. You know what I mean? I'm not joking. Those are the kind of questions. And um, I don't know how old the, the, the girl was. I, I want to say she was preteen. I don't know. Maybe 14. Could be 20. I don't know. You know, right? Uh, my, my daughter, uh, she's 16. She looks like she's 12. So I don't know. I don't know. So she's a young girl is what I'm trying to say. And they're looking at the guitars and she goes and I don't know why to this day, same hangers. I use string swing, by the way, at the store. She picks up an American Strat top rung and she lifts it up and she looks at it. And uh, so I'm, you know, I'm just standing there doing my thing. And she goes to hang it back up. And you can tell for some reason she can't figure out the hanger. I'm not kidding. Like she can't figure it out. Now this happens in seconds, right? You're like, you see her going struggling with, for some reason, not figuring out how to, to hang it on the hanger. Uh, if you guys have string swings, the older ones, you know, that had these rubber grommets that were on there. And so you put it behind the rubber grommets, right? Well, she was putting it in front of the rubber grommets where there's only about a half of inch of space. And so of course it, it, it can't hold it. And she's doing this and the guitar, and right as I'm basically going, like, that's not how you do that, the guitar falls, hits another American Strat, and then smacks into another, I don't know what it was, maybe a made Mexico Telly. Takes a giant chunk out of the headstock of the American, the American Strat, big chunk out of the bottom of the top American Strat, and then, of course, hits the Telecaster, right? Just bam, 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 just takes everything down as it goes down. Just hor hor horrifying. Now, this is what happens. The parents ran out my door. <laughs> That's why I want to point out their heavy set. These were these were big folks. I'm a big dude. These were bigger people than me. They ran. The probably the only time they ran in like five years. Look, I'm not making fun of them. I'm a heavy guy too. I'm just telling you, when you see heavy set people run that fast, you, I'm, now here's where it's my. This is why I got in trouble. <laughs> so I'm standing there. The parents ran out the doors and the girl's staring at me like, I don't know, like, like you stare when you drop three guitars that are, you know, it's like three, four thousand, three thousand dollars worth of stuff <laughs> It just fell on the floor. And so, see, I can laugh now. <laughs> so she's staring at me and I'm like, I don't know what to say. You know, I don't know how to yell at a, a, a girl. I'm not yelling at a kid. I don't know how to, I don't know how to be upset uh, at a child, <laughs> right? So I'm just standing there and I'm like, uh, I, 
I just walked over and picked him up. And she looked at me and I, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to say, I didn't say like, it's all fine. Cause I'm not saying that, but I'm not saying anything to a teenage girl. And then she leaves because <laughs> their parents are gone. Like, I'm not even sure they were in the parking lot anymore. Okay. I'm pretty sure they weren't. They just left her. I'm by the way, I always just assumed it was their daughter. I'm pretty sure it was. It could have been just a random teenage girl with two, with some adults. I don't know. I don't think so. So anyways, then I had to call and tell my wife, you know, who's obviously a part of the store and Ralph. And they were like, well, what did you do? Did you call the cops? What did you? And I'm like, no, you can't call the cops. It's an accident. And they go, well, did you tell the parents they had to pay? They ran out the door. And they're like, well, wouldn't you chase them? I'm like, no, because, <laughs> because, because as a parent, all I could process, by the way, this is proof. Uh, everybody has, everyone, especially you'll have comments because everyone, everyone is going to in, in a uh, retrospect, have all kinds of theories about what you should do in that situation. I, I want to tell you just the, the, the important part of this. I couldn't process the guitars fell off the wall. All I could process was these two asshole parents just left their teenage kid in my store after she damaged some stuff. Like they left her. <laughs> like, l- let me, let me be frank. If I was going to beat somebody, it would be for that. But not dropping my guitars, just for leaving their kid behind. What a crap dirtball move. So I just, you know. Now, here's the interesting thing. It, it, it works out in the end. Uh, the guitars obviously couldn't be fixed. They had big chunks out of them, so they had to be sold for nothing. And um, I'm a smart guy. I called my friends and said, hey, you guys want I, good friends. My friend Robert has that one of those strats this day, and he says it's the best strat he owns. And he got a smoking deal. I lost money, of course. I sold everything for below what I paid for it. Um, but I sold it to my friends because that's what you're smart. You do. good, And friends being good customers, too. I just called them up and said, this is what happened. I got to sell guitars at a loss, and you're going to get a smoking deal. And and the, 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 that worked out. <laughs> I lost money. I guess now I have a funny story. By the way, I've never really told that story as a funny story. I've always told it as like a, yeah, people are strange. But... Johnny says, were you insured? There is no such thing as that. Stop saying that, people. There is no insurance for that. None. It doesn't exist. No business has insurance for that. You have insurance for somebody gets hurt in your store and they try to sue you, (laughs) right? You have insurance for that. Uh, And that has a cap coverage, right? And then you have insurance for theft. Theft meaning breaking, entering. By the way, there's no such thing as theft. Like if somebody, somebody... Grabbed because the store's been robbed a couple times, right? I've I've had a gun in you know my face. I mean it's just, you know, it was a business. Um, we had two guys come in the store and they grabbed two the two most expensive guitars. They grabbed them at the same time and ran out the door and jumped in the car. And um, they put painters tape over like three of the letters in the license plate. It was like a Honda Civic, and we gave the cop the four letters. And the cops are like, yeah, there's twenty six hundred Honda Civics in the area with those four combinations. So they're basically nothing. There's no insurance for that. You can't call your insurance. You call your insurance, they, they, they don't insure that. They'll insure, like, the store gets broken into, and then that's how it works. Imagine it. <laughs> so that's just how it works. That's how insurance. Plus, not to mention, um, uh, insurance is insurance. In other words, once you make a claim, uh, if the claim isn't huge, doesn't matter. They're still going to jack up your rates next, uh, next policy. So you don't want to do that. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want you don't to call your insurance company uh, – and tell them that, you know, you got $3,000 and you have a $1,000 deductible so the insurance company can cut you a $2,000 check 
and then basically figure out how to make you pay $6,000 more next year. So yeah. Um, so yeah, there's no insurance like that. That stuff just, uh, that stuff's in movies and crap. That stuff doesn't exist. <laughs> so you can't be covered for that stuff. Um, that's basically, that's just shrinkage lodge. At the end of the year, here's what happens. If you want to be a sane person and own any kind of small business, you really have to look at your quarterly, yearly earnings as a whole and not look at day-to-day transactions. Because some days you lose money, some days you break even, some days like that, you know, damages happen. You know, at the end of the year is where you really focus. If you want your sanity. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Vanilla Slice says, uh, yeah, insurance is great, but don't, uh, don't, uh, dare claim on it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, yes. Yeah. Um, so like I said, it's that stuff you just take internal and you take the hit you just go on your way. Like I said, it's, there's always, <laughs> Brian says built in tasers at the door. Yes. Yes. I've learned here. Here's the thing. I'll tell you, this is a funny thing. And now that you guys will know this little secret, there's secrets you learn, uh, to, to when you have a business on how you kind of protect yourself. Here's what you learn over time. You have secure, we have camera systems, right? So somebody would do something and we would turn the, fo- the video to the cops. Uh, we had cameras, we had protective film on the windows. We have all that stuff. What I learned is if you really want to deter people from doing anything, whether they're going to vandalize or th- uh, steal thievery, stuff like that, uh, you say hello. <laughs> There's that it's so effective. It's crazy. Criminals, uh, if they come in and you say hi, you look them face to face and you're like, hey, how's it going? If you need anything, let me know. That will stop them from doing anything. You acknowledging them because now they're aware you saw them. You're aware. Um, we we learned that. I remember, I wasn't a retail person before. I didn't have any retail business experience before I opened the store. So I didn't know stuff like that. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> I'm like, what? Uh, every time we ever had any kind of robbery or anything like that, you could, it was apparent afterwards, but not to me at the moment, that they were do- going out of the way to not engage with us. They were being very stealthy. So, so, so in fact, at the end when they left, other than video footage, you know, when the cops like, what they look like? You're like, I don't know. Just whatever the video looked like. I didn't see anybody. You know, they just, they were in and out, gone. So there you go. Things you, things you learn the hard way. But that's my story about the, the damaged product. And there's tons of them. <laughs> it happens. That's the only one, though, where anybody left their kid behind. Uh, okay. So hopefully we'll go... <laughs> Let's see what the next one is. Declan. All right, Declan, you're going to save us from this. We're going to change the tone right now. He says, hey, Phil, how close can you get tonally to other amps using a clean amp plus pedals, i.e. a Fender amp plus a pedal gets a Marshall tone, orange tone, etc." In the bedroom, I think it's so possible, it's not even funny. So, for instance, if, you know, if I had to pare down the gear down to, like, one amp and a couple pedals, I absolutely could do that, and I would do some kind of probably one of my Fender amps, a Fender amp. Uh, like the Princeton or the 65 Deluxe or whatever, you know, pick your your clean poison that's got a fender tone. And then, yeah, of course, throw a Marshall pedal in it in front of it, throw a, a Mesa pedal sounding pedal, which I don't think sound like Mesa's, but, you know, you get the idea. <laughs> Some pedals in front of the 5150 pedals, one of my favorite pedals, stick that in there. Um, you'll get you'll get it close. In fact, here's why. The reason I say that. The tone, the tone of the amps uh, in a pedal totally can be achieved. It's the other things that can't be achieved. You know, it's when the amp gets turned up. Like a good example, 65 Deluxe, okay? Let's say I got the 65 uh, Deluxe reverb out, and I have my Lawrence Petros 68 drive. 
and I'm plugging it in there and I'm, and I'm getting this plexi kind of vibe going. And I'm like, yeah, it sounds great. It feels great. I love it. It will be real until I take it somewhere and crank that thing on 10. And then it will sound like a fart because the amp isn't going to be a 50, 100 watt plexi head through a 412. It's just not that. It's just physically. So to answer your question, absolutely can be done very easily, especially. And so um, that's why you see, <laughs> that's why you see it's, it's tough. Well, like when I own a bunch of amps, it's really like, like I own guitars because I like collecting them. That's why I said I own amps because I, I like collecting them. Um, I use them for real reasons, but not all of them. I collect them because I don't need all of them because I can't, I, when I say need, I mean, I can't even say like, oh, I need this for the Marshall sound. I need this one the Fender sound. The reality is I don't. The, like I said, especially in recording too, recording the stuff, you're not playing loud enough in most cases. Not the way, you know, it depends on how you record. I don't record blaring. Um, I record, uh, uh, because I record in the same room, a lot of times for my videos, I have to run the amps loud enough to where the mic in front of the speaker can't hear pick noise uh, from the strings. That's what happens. That's the detriment of recording too low um, with the amp is the microphone hears most of the speaker, which is good, but it also hear, uh, the pick noise from your strings, hitting your strings and stuff. And, and then that changes the sound. Obviously you can hear the pick noise, which is annoying. Um, but a lot of times, um, that gives a more high end clarity to the sound. So where it would sound muddy. And then when I'm like, it's muddy and people are like, I didn't hear it be muddy because you heard my string definition coming through the outer pick noise. So, um, so yeah, just be aware of that. But other than that, no, you can get away with it. Obviously. Gear Sounds says, Phil, love the channel. Uh, oh, love the channel since shop. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, you knew me at the shop. Please shout out Gear Sounds. Gear Sounds. Like, do I have to shout it out or say it out? I'll, I'll get there. Since my gear channel, <laughs> you inspired me to create gear videos. I'm more focused on pedals. You know, that's great. Like I said, uh, especially if you're starting a channel, if you're a newer channel, and I'll check out your channel too. Um, uh, pedals are the way to go because the fact that uh, you can get, you know, everybody's looking for, Everyone's looking for a lot of opinions on a pedal. <laughs> Everybody says that about guitars. The reality is, if you watch a guitar, it's weird. Uh, and I could be, I could be, you know, I could be mistaken, but I feel like when I decide I want to buy a guitar and I'm looking at YouTube videos, I'll watch like three, maybe four tops guitar reviews. <laughs> when I watch it, when I want a pedal, I watch like 10. <laughs> I'm like, well, he said it was good, but let's see what this other guy thinks real quick. And what is, what is, right? And so, yeah. Uh, and what, wait, wait, what are they, how are they recording the sound? Maybe they, they're hearing something different. So yeah, that's great. And uh, so yeah, I'll do the shout out for everybody for his uh, Gear Sounds channel and uh, I'll check it out too. Old Man Fran says, hey, Phil, I don't play bass. That's okay. It's okay. Oh, there's more. <laughs> It says, but I'm looking at a 32-inch scale uh, Squire Jaguar CV. Uh, what is the sound difference between the pickups on a PJ pickup? Okay, cool, great. PN I'm assuming it's PNJ pickups is what you want to know the difference. Greetings from the UK. Greetings from over on uh, over the pond, right? Um, here's the way I, I, I've always explained P pickups and jazz pickups uh, for bass. A P pickup is like a slap in the face, right? And a J pickup is like a karate chop. To the face apparently because i went with face 
Uh, so the PBIC pickup, it really is like that. I mean, it, it's just full and dynamic and it's going to hit you. And then the jazz bass, uh, J pickup, it's not the basses, it's the pickups. The J pickup is definitely more focused and it's going to get you right there. Now, of course, you know, you can make them sound kind of like each other. I think you can get a J to sound more like a P and the P, not as much the P to sound like a J, but, um, I like them both for, for different reasons, but mostly play J pickups. That's what I mostly pay. Because apparently I like karate over slapping. So, <laughs> as I slap on the bass. <laughs> uh, Aaron, Aaron says, uh, Aaron Peacock says, I should probably become a patron. Uh, oh, cause he, yeah, because he's super chatting every week. Uh, it would probably be cheaper. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm saying that. He didn't say that. Um, yeah, you should. You should become a patron. I've been really refining the Patreon uh, stuff. I hope uh, it's, it seems to be going well. The Patreon numbers have been really climbing. I really thank you guys, all the patrons, for, for the supporting of the channel. Uh, like As you guys know, I'm doing more. Uh, in fact, each month, month after month, quarter after quarter, year after year, I'm doing less and less and less uh, company-integrated videos with product because of the fact that I'm uh, doing product videos that the patrons are asking for. So the patrons have really become the big sponsor. There was a discussion. Uh, I'm always interested in everybody's thoughts on this. There was a discussion about at some point, you know, just not saying no to the companies at some point, but uh, putting that, you know, it's sponsored by patrons because I put the patron fund icon some up, sometimes up, but we talked about maybe putting it up all the time. Because they're pretty much all becoming sponsored by patrons, so so if you join my Patreon, uh, you know there's three different levels. You get different things, and and uh, but one of the things is nice is uh, you get to pick, you know, put suggestions in for what product you want to see reviewed, and then I buy the product using the patron funds. It's been working great, and then I sell the product, <laughs> and then I put it back in the kitty, and we keep it keep it going. And I, uh, it's nice. It feels good to actually get paid for doing videos. Um, it's nice. Um, no, it's just nice. I, it really just feels good. <laughs> it feels like all that, you know, when you look at your work and you go, oh, there's an actual dividend at the end. It feels good. TT says, best all tube amp for quiet bedroom practice, but still full clean blues tone with a little dirt on top. No external power soaks or such. Sure. Um, so if it helps, there's a ton, right? We could go all day. I, and no matter which one I say, somebody's going to put in the comments, don't Oh, you forgot this one, Phil. And you forgot that one. And what about this one? I mean, you could pretty much in today's day and age be happy with a, at least a 60 different uh, small practice amps, uh, tube amps for, for what you're doing, blues tone at low volumes. So th just make it easy. Let me just tell you what I'm using and what I like. I have my Princeton. There's a reason why I like the Princeton uh, 68. It's uh, It breaks up a little bit. The 10-inch speaker, although doesn't sound amazing loud, that's why if I'm going to play loud, I'll sometimes grab the 68 Deluxe. Um, but, but man, the way it compresses and sounds at lower volumes, it actually sounds better than the bigger amps because the way it's like everything's happening the way I want it to. I also like, for lower practice, I like the Blackstar uh, Studio 10. It's to my right of me right now. Um, that video, like I said, I did a video of that, but I tried new camera. Uh, I don't know if it's software. I was using a different program for the cameras, and it wouldn't render better than 720, and it put it in a grainy look. So the video was great. I thought the video came out perfect. Sound-wise was great, but it would just look grainy and crappy as hell. So I got to reshoot the whole thing, but I gave it to the patrons, and so I just got to redo that video for video. But in there, I basically said I really like the, the Studio 10. That's their uh, Class A type amp it's like kind of like a little vox kind of thing going on that's another little fun one um 
And then, of I mean, here's the deal, because I, I like a lot of amps for pedal platforms, but you're not really saying pedal platforms. You're just saying, you know, just a little tongue with a little bit of dirt. Um, but also another one I've liked in the past is the the, uh, the Eggnator Tweaker. That's a good one. Um, and one more for fun. Let's see if I can think of one more that I've had. I don't want to, I want to tell you ones I've actually had and I've enjoyed, uh, that, that do that, um, that are tube. <laughs> cause that's the trick. A lot of amps I like uh, for practice are not tube amps. Cause when you're trying to be quiet, tubes are sometimes a pain in the ass cause they don't want to, they don't want to do the magic until they get a little, little volume going through them. Um, Hmm. You know what, man? I'm just going to go because I'm going to say price, you know, maybe price isn't the matter. The Supro stuff. Some of the Supro amps are just freaking killer. I love them. All right. Uh, Tampa Blue says, like in the movie Crossroads, <laughs> these questions are going to be crazy today. And like in the movie Crossroads, I'm assuming not the one with Britney Spears. <laughs> I'm assuming you're talking about the Ralph Macchio Steve Vai one. It says, Crossroads, uh, if you had to play guitar against the devil... Uh, for your immortal soul, my immortal soul, uh, what gear would I choose? <laughs> what is my go-to setup? So uh, I'm going to assume that uh, just like in that movie, you want, you're putting me against Steve I. So I guess the question would be, what would I do if I had to play Steve I for my soul? <laughs> now, once I got over the horrible depression of realizing that there's probably no way this is going to work out in my favor, I would have to go, and not the way I think your question wants me to go. See, I think you just want me to tell you what guitar and amp I'm going to go for the ultimate tone. Uh, that's not the way I can read this question. The way I got to read this question is my soul's at, in, in, in jeopardy, and Steve, I can play... <laughs> he, he can play asleep. He's going to be asleep and play better than me. So... um I would probably go weird, and I would probably grab the Dano Electro uh, 59 behind me, and uh, probably my Dr. Z, or maybe that Black Star Studio 10, something a little bit of weird to it, and 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 hope that I got inspired to do something strange, fun, um, because I would have no technical way to beat him. Tech, you know, it's no Ralph Macchio classical guitar, super scales, uh, stuff. I would just have to go for, Hey, I think I can make the devil groove. I don't know if I play this stuff. I don't know. That'd be the answer. Um, so, so that's, but let's read your question one more way for fun. Cause sometimes that's the thing. So the other way I would read that is, you know, what would be the, Oh crap, I better bring my a game and my best rig for the, for the best, help me play the best. Um, I would probably grab uh, my green Strat, which isn't behind me, is it? It is not. It's in the other room. Oh, no, it is behind me. I, uh, right there. For those of you guys who can watch, the green Strat's behind me. Uh, I'd probably grab the green Strat and uh, the Princeton. That would be my rig. Um, and the reason is because is that's the rig I play all the time. That 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 guitar. Look, when it comes to when it comes to battling for your soul, <laughs> it's not about great tone for me. It's about the thing that I use all the time. I'm super familiar with it. This is the term "know your gear." It comes. That's where that term came from. It's not that I know my gear. It's that it's better to know the gear you have than have more gear. 
right? That's the whole premise of that saying. Um, it's let's investigate and learn stuff together, but also it's like, you know, really, uh, I, I think I've said this before. I used to watch a lot of channels uh, before I started mine, and one of the things that was really common was like the unboxings, which eventually over time I had to start doing too a little bit because it gets all the views for some reason. But I try to, like the videos I do, if you notice, I try to um, uh, spend time with the, the product to to dissect it to understand it the best i can so that rig is not my best sounding rig it's not my favorite rig it's not anything like that it's the rig i use so much that i just feel like i i'm I'm so comfortable with it um and then aaron did another super chat for no reason thank you aaron um and then i'm gonna try to get through some of these mike says phil modding my first guitar inspired by you thank you buddy says i'm shielding it with paint and tape tips on grounding the cavities Okay, how do you make it, how do I make a ground lug? I don't think I understand this question. Uh, the way I ground out the cavities is I, I use the tape, uh, the tape, I use the paint. I use the, because uh, it's easy and fast for that reason. However, keep in mind, I've had this problem many times. Gr- grounding a cavities is something I do more for customers than I ever do for myself. I have never shielded a guitar for myself i have only done it on guitars for videos to show you guys how to do it how i do it and then of course for customers i um don't have uh the guitars that make noises <laughs> that hum uh i don't take them places that that's how that works like I, I, uh, if I go and jam with some friends or if I go play somewhere and I take a guitar with me, I, I have guitars that I just love the way they handle on, you know, in that environment. So, um, I don't have to go crazy with the shielding and stuff. I like shielding the guitars. It's really important to do so, but most guitars I own are already shielded. I just use the thing. I don't do anything past that. I don't really get too super involved in that. Um, I do sometimes have to do that for customers because they get really, you know, they just really don't want any outside interference. But let me, let me, I think that's, hopefully that answers the question. Jeremy says, what does Jeremy say? Jeremy says, Phil, first time catching you live. Hey, thank you, buddy. I'm glad you can join us. Says, what's your opinion on the new Indo gym versus the Japanese one? Okay. So he's Indonesian gyms versus the main Japan ones. Uh, just got the BFP Indo made and I love it, but I guess a lot of people don't like them. Rock on dude. Yeah. The issue with the Indonesian Ibanez has been a very consistent issue in the fact that they are, uh, in, in my, in my experience playing them, I've either loved them or hated them. I mean the same model, just, just in more inconsistent than the Japanese line of guitars is, is what I've experienced. So, if you love yours, I don't think it's because it's you. I don't think you're like, oh, maybe you have different standards than other people. Um, I've I've talked about my Indonesian-made AZ is fantastic. In fact, I think it's better than my made Japan ones. And I've had people flat out say in that comment of that video, like, I they have had them, they're horrible. Yeah, but the one I, I have isn't. <laughs> so you could have a good one, and that's what that is. And that's, and that's how it works. And, um, that's, I think that's, I think the, I, my experience, I think the Indonesian manufacturer for Ibanez is getting better and better and better where I see less and less of that problematic stuff. But with Indonesian guitars from Ibanez, the thing I've noticed is the consistency for that factory is fretwork. 
everything else seems to be fine. I don't see a whole lot of finish defects. I don't see a whole lot of, of, of uh, issues with the electronics. I don't see issues with anything else. What I see is uh, sometimes fret issues, like uh, high frets is probably the number one complaint that I've seen with those guitars. So if yours doesn't have it, that's great. Um, or maybe you bought it from a store where they took care of it. That could have been the case too. Or, you know, luck of the draw. And of course, like I said, um, and I always point out, just because it's always n nice to think about this way, This way, um, I always tell people, imagine if I told you to make me 100 crappy guitars, like one guitar, right? Let's say I told you as a factory. I said, make me this, I have an is AZ, make me 100 of them and make them all play horrible. <laughs> it probably would be unlikely. In other words, one or two would probably come through and you'd pick them up and go, this plays great. What I told you to make them horrible. And they're like, oh, we messed up. This plays great. So what I'm saying is, is even when people say, oh, you know, guitars are bad, there still can be a good one. It's just obviously the law of averages. There's right? <laughs> just like when somebody goes, uh, you know, when we look at expensive guitars, they're not all great because if I told you to make me, same analogy, if I said, make me a hundred great guitars, you're going to make me probably two or three bad ones. Just, just again, depends on how it goes. Depends on, the luck of the draw. Uh, Grumpy Mike Guitar. What's up, Grumpy Mike? Says, happy Friday. Philip, that's me. Says something for the tone jar and why not? Oh, yeah. Uh, now I want a Sterling Axis. Thanks for that. Yeah, that guitar is sweet. They, um, I think I told you guys this. Um, uh, Sterling reached out. It's actually Praxis is the builder of those guitars. Praxis reached out and asked if I would review the CT50 and... Um, and uh, I said, yeah. <laughs> and then what happened was um, they, uh, they said, okay, how does that work? And I said, well, uh, I said, um, can I pick it? Can I pick the color and stuff and the model? I wanted the HSS and I wanted a certain color because I wanted to see it. You know, that's what I'm curious about. Um, it's a lot funner to review something, even if uh, whether I keep it or I don't keep it or that they want it back or whatever happens with it or we got to sell it later to get, you know, money to keep the channel going. Uh, I still, it's fun to to check out the thing I'm interested in, right? Sometimes like it makes it cool. So I said, can we check out this one? And he said, yeah. He's like, um, and I said, and he goes, he asked what I charge for that. And I said, I, I, I don't charge for that. You just send the guitar out. And uh, he's like, great. And then I've never had this happen before. Okay. Ever. Not on YouTube. It's the first time ever. He sent me an email, I want to say a month later, saying, hey, I apologize. We're, you know, obviously getting products slow, coming across, you know, the ocean and stuff. He said, uh, but I'll get your guitar out soon. He goes, and I'm going to send you a few hundred bucks uh, for your time. And uh, I respond and I, you know, I said, hey, man, that's really kind of you. I mean, I've never had a company after uh, just say I'm going to send you money uh, even after I told them not to. I mean, most companies take that and run like, sure, we'll give that to the other channel that, you know, whatever that wants it. Um, and so I responded with uh, thank you. That's super kind. Could instead we send another guitar? I really want to try the new access uh, access. So that's why they sent the access. Uh, so I got that. And. Um, and, uh, I was super excited about the access to, to share with you guys. So I'm glad you liked the video. Um, uh, I really think that guitar is cool. <laughs> it's basically, that's basically what, what it is. I think it's a really cool guitar. I've always thought they made really good guitars. I think it's a good price point. I think it looks good. Uh, it was really cool. It's a fun guitar to, and it's a fun guitar to take a talk about. So, uh, thank you. Grumpy Mike guitar. David Hunter says, could you do YouTube memberships in addition to Patreon. Uh, yeah, you're talking about that thing where you pay and... Uh, here, yeah, no. <laughs> 
yeah, I understand. No, I can't do it. Here's why I can't do it. Uh, I've already, I've already, you know, I've already made the mistakes. So hopefully I'm going to make on YouTube with all the different things I've pulled and done and try to figure out and stuff. And, uh, and, uh, this is what I realized. It's like, you know, the saying you can't serve too many masters, right? I can't have too many things. Uh, it's already, it's already at peak to, to, to try to give the patrons value. It's already tough. You know what I mean? To, 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 to give them the things that you promised them, it's tough. And so I don't want to create another thing where I have to go, okay, now I have to do something. Even if I was just to send the same things to them, I understand I could do that. But right now, I really don't feel like patron is perfect yet. So I'd like to get there. So actually, you know what, David? How about I just tell you that way? I will do YouTube memberships or I'll add that service if, for anybody who wants it once I feel like the patrons are getting 100% of what I think I should be giving them for the value of what they're doing for the channel, supporting the channel. So I'm really trying to make the patron thing, uh, you know, be a beneficial arrangement, you know what I mean? All the way around. And, um, and it's tough because here's why over time, patron makes things harder and harder for you. <laughs> for instance, it's illegal to give, do giveaways on patron. That's, I still see channels doing it. They do giveaways on their patron. However, they have to do that without letting patron know because as soon as patron knows they 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 give you uh you know a, 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 i got a violation once so you know community guidelines violation on patron for doing giveaways so it was simple it was like oh i should get a pedal and a pedal was sent to me and i do the video and then i'd give away to patrons and i was like that's a great way and then people get that stuff but patron it's illegal because um it's gambling or something. I don't know. You know what? I don't even care why it's illegal. It doesn't matter. Patron doesn't want you to do it. <laughs> so you have to find another way to give benefits to the patrons. Uh, and then you have to also, <laughs> this is so crazy. Uh, and then you also have to pay attention to the taxes. Um, when I say taxes is um, when you give patrons things, now patron wants you to disclose the value of all the stuff you're giving them, even if it's video content, and then charge them taxes on it. So if you don't want them to pay taxes, which I don't, you have to also curtail what you give them and how you give it to them. And so obviously opening up another thing with YouTube is a little problematic right now. Uh, so let me focus on that. And I think once I got that dialed in, which I think I'm almost there, I feel like I'm 70% there to where I think they're getting a good value for what they're doing for helping this, the channel. Almost, almost there. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, M. Karras did a super chat. I appreciate that. Greg K. said... Happy Friday, Phil. Nut Files. Does Diamond Matter? Okay. Uh, do you like the Music Nomad's new ones? Okay. <laughs> uh, for reasonably low action, how many millimeters above first fret or whatever you recommend uh, when filing the nut? Okay. So these are great questions. And Greg, I, I hope you, uh, uh, you know, let me go on a little thing here uh, with your question. So the first thing is I have the new Music Nomad Diamond Files. I physically have them. If you watched my Axis video, they're actually in the background. You can see the Music Nomad cases. I have all the Music Nomad stuff. Now, I am doing a video for Music Nomad on my channel, of course. Uh, they've asked me to do a video, and it's going to line up with what I'm doing. And this brings me to a second question, a second thing that I got this week, and it's a perfect time to answer that question. Somebody caught it. 
God bless you guys and your weird, crazy paying attention. Uh, Sometimes the things you pay attention to are funny to me. Uh, Like funny in the idea that like I didn't think anybody would catch that I did that or said that or was thinking that or showed that. Um, Somebody made a comment about the new style of reviews. So the new reviews that I'm doing on guitars uh, starting in January, this January, if you notice, I think it starts with, I think the first one is the PRS... Uh, SE2408 is the first video. So if you watch that video, you can see uh, not only the change, but you can see each video from there, what I'm up to. Next guitar review video has a new level added to it. So what I mean by levels is, obviously I'm doing the the, the nylon sock test on the things. I, I... I have, I don't want to let it out of the bag. I'm sorry, guys. What you're going to see on the next one is another tool to show you again. So I've been doing this, but what somebody said when they sent me a message and they said, I have a question for you, Phil. It seems like you took the five things you don't know videos and the Sharp My Axe videos, and you're like kind of putting that stuff in every review now. And I started laughing because that wasn't a coincidence. That was absolutely planned. The plan was how could I make review videos vibe my way and my way only and obviously what made the channels do so well over years was my five things videos and my sharp max videos and you know the repair style videos and so that's why in every video i'm telling you some fun facts in those videos every video has like a little and it's all edited so that hopefully it doesn't feel like it's so obnoxiously like this is the this is the information part this is the repair part it's just integrated in all the reviews i'm trying to highlight that and it, it seems to be doing well because here's why because it doesn't matter how many people are watching doesn't doesn't matter how many views what matters is i can tell you right now the analytics are in you guys as a whole are watching 20 to 30 percent more of those reviews than you've watched and the other reviews i've done over the last few years physically watching more time it's obvious it comes across the analytics it shows it that more people are engaged for longer periods of time so you're liking the way I'm, I'm doing that. And I think when, when I'm finished with the, how this is going to work, it's going to be great. So, Greg, the reason I said thank you for letting me indulge this little commentary on that, on your point is when Music Nomad came to me, that's one of the things I talked to them about was I said, hey, I'll, they want me to do a video for them. I'll do the video. I said, but I would really like to start integrating some of your uh, – they're trying – Music Man, Music Nomad, and I'm speaking for them, so you know. So this isn't their verbiage. This is my, my, my impression of what they're doing. They're trying to make the average Joe or Jane toolkits. They didn't say it like that. I'm telling you, I I think it's a great idea. This is literally somebody saying, I can sell you tools that a novice can just get and and do work on their guitars. And so I thought this would be a great way to integrate that into the review process because over time, I think they're going to do well. I'm I'm actually betting on it. I'm betting on Music Nomad kicking, kicking butt. Look, I still buy Stumac. I bought... $200 $200 with two Mac tools this week, <laughs> which you'll probably see why in a video coming up because I had to, had to buy them and get them here as fast as possible. Um, but uh, I love the idea that, you know, these these new things like these files and stuff are, are fantastic. So uh, do di- diamond nut files matter? Um, it makes it easier. Anything that makes it easier. I mean, do you need them? No, <laughs> they're nice. They're really nice. Um and so, uh, and so all the other part of this question, which is, uh, the, what's for reasonably low action, how many millimeters above the first fret when filing the nut? Okay. So when filing the nut, I, I 
Trust me, uh, that that's something I can't answer here, but I can tell you it's being answered in the review videos. You got to start watching now because if you're noticing, I'm I'm going to show you guys. Uh, I'm going to have not only am I going to do all the stuff I'm doing in the review videos, but there's going to be more and more devoted to showing you guys how to do that too. Here's the the logic. The logic is I review a guitar and I tell you what I think, and then I tell you how I would do it and how I'd fix it, and then if you guys go out and buy the guitar you can then do the things I did. And then you'll learn if I'm full of crap or not, <laughs> because you should get the same result. That's really the million dollar question, right? If you get the same result. So uh, I hope that makes sense. Jeff Parker says, just an FYI, okay, for my information. Remember my question last year? Maybe, <laughs> he says maybe. Strap lock system for Taylor Acoustic. Music Nomad came out with one specific for Taylor on order. Yeah, you know what? I didn't know that. Thanks for sharing that. So, so you know, Jeff, uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I'm not surprised. Like I said, I had these conversations with the Music Nomad people. And uh, like I said, I, see, I think they, I think they, they're smart. I think they're looking at everything in the market wherever there's a hole and they're going to try to basically hit that market. So doesn't shock me at all. Uh, Vipe D. <laughs> Vipe D says, uh, what's the deal with Epiphone Casino warn delays? Everybody is out except for GC. So, uh, so I basically, he's, uh, well, all, I don't know. I, I would imagine Epiphone, if they have delays, uh, it's because all Epiphone's made in China. <laughs> so it's, uh, I, as far as I know, I, I don't, I don't know 100% because I, I don't see every Epiphone guitar. I don't think Epiphone does any guitars outside of the China. So I think all their tiers are in China. So the reason I say that is because, uh, you know, that's the going saying, right? Epiphone has their own factory and that factory is in China and it only makes Epiphone. So, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, in today's world, uh, especially with the global stuff going on, uh, I would imagine if you're buying, if you're having all one product made one place, what if something affects that place? then you're having problems where a lot of manufacturers uh, that have these guitars made overseas or a lot of companies that have these guitars made overseas, uh, you know, yes, uh, PRS has their acoustics and their hollow bodies made in China, but they have their electrics made in Indonesia. You know what I mean? And so there's different, different places at least. So, so at least you can, you know, but I've seen a consistency with Epiphones. I, so, you know, I, I went to buy some Epiphones to do some reviews and they were out of stock most places. And I was told that they're, cause they're selling like gangbusters. I'm sure they are, but it also looks like after talking to the dealers, they're just not getting a lot of delivery of this stuff. So Wu-Tech, what's up? Says, hey, Phil, I'm thinking of buying a new Made in Mexico Fender Strat as my second guitar. What would you recommend for upgrades? Any pickups going for classic single hum, coil 60s Strat sound? Uh, have a good weekend. Uh, well, you nailed it. <laughs> you told me the answer to your question. That's what I would upgrade. On the, on the MIM Strats, I would put, I like 60s. No, so when I say 60s, I like the 69 style pickups. Some of the 60s can be considered 50s pickups, depending on wh what what year. Like 64 Strat pickups are going to have still that bright kind of, oh, excuse me, bright, clear kind of uh, 50s era Strat tone uh, that I like, but don't love. I like more of like the 69, the Jimi Hendrixy kind of like the pickups get a little hotter, a little, little more kick. Uh, also, early 70s pickups too do that as well. So that's what I recommend for that. Um, and then upgrade wise, I don't think you have to upgrade much on them. I like locking keys cause that makes that easy. 
and then if you want a bone nut, you can put a bone nut on it. That that would that's what I would do if I bought a new Mexican Strat today and took it home today. And what upgrades would I do with it? I would change out the pickups to something specific that I like. I would probably leave the bridge alone because I don't care about the uh, the bridge. If you do, I would put a brass block on the bridge. Again, wouldn't change the saddles of the plate. I don't think it matters. Uh, wouldn't change out the output jack. I wouldn't change out anything other than uh, locking keys, put a bone nut on it. You could do graph tech as well. I would put bone it's just because that's what I would use on my guitar. Uh, a bone nut and then maybe a brass block and then new pickups. And I wouldn't change electronics. I wouldn't change the potentiometers out. I wouldn't change the five-way switch out. That's a switchcraft switch. It's fine. Uh, the potentiometers are fine. Um, Capacitor, maybe. Maybe. Matt says, how would I how would I recommend approaching a store about adjusting the truss rod on a guitar that is on display but plays bad due to slight backbow? So good question. I I, I like this question because it, it, it makes a lot of sense, right? You're in a store, you don't know because I understand this. I have this problem too. Uh, like they when stores put guitars up high and I want to check them out, but I don't want them to get them down because I don't want to not you know I don't want to feel like oh now I got to buy it because they put them out. So I understand what you're saying. It's like you want them to adjust this guitar so you can see if you want want to buy it, but you also feel like if you ask them to adjust it, you kind of feel like you have to buy it. That that happens to me too. It's it's uh it's it's yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. Uh so my the question is great. So what would I do? So I'm trying to think what would I do? If I walk in a store and I pick up a guitar and I I think I would just ask nicely, you know. In fact, ask them. That's what you could do. Start, frame it as a question. Go up to them with the guitar and say, Hey, I this guitar seems like blah blah blah. <laughs> right? Whatever. Right. Just like this guitar seems like it has back back bow or whatever. Right. Actions high, whatever. And you're like, uh, I'm interested in it, but I don't know. Again, upfront, honest. Here, Here's the great thing. This is what's great about this. Again, be polite. Ask, ask as a but remember, you're the customer. So be polite because that's how you should treat people. But be the customer and go, hey, here's your opportunity to sell this guitar can you address this? I, I don't know if I want to buy it because I, I can't tell if I want to buy it until you do these things. Again, very nice. Here's why I like stuff like that, stuff like that. Uh, what they do will probably determine if you buy the guitar anyways. <laughs> so for instance, if they go, you know, hey, that's just how guitars play, man. Or if, yeah, once you buy it, you set it up. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was once in Ed Roman's store. You guys remember Ed Roman? Ed Roman had a store in Vegas. He passed away. Uh, he was a different kind of dude. If you ever want to uh, go crazy, you can read his rants. They're still up on his website now. Ed Roman Guitars at one point was the largest, physical largest guitar store in the world. It was just huge. It was in Vegas. We went there once, and it was a weird experience. It was half nice and half not nice, and here's why. We went there right when they were closing. We got there like five minutes before the closing let us in. And um, if you've ever been in a store, it was like, it was weird. I remember that experience that day was like, it said, there were signs and they said, don't, don't touch. And then it said, don't talk to other customers. And also it said, I had to turn off my cell phone. So, <laughs> oh, some of the crap we take from people. Anyways, uh, so I was walking the store and guess what? They had an Ivanis Swirl universe in mint condition. And I think he wanted five grand for maybe four grand. 
but it was new old stock. I guess they were saying it's been there for all these years. Um, who knew? But it looked brand new. And uh, I said, uh, I'll take it. Because <laughs> uh, uh, it's Vegas. <laughs> so I go, I'll take it. And my wife grabs my shoulder and says, I think you should play it first. Have you ever even played one of these? And I'm like, I have not. She's like, could you please play it before you put it on a credit card or something? And I said, okay. And so Ed Roman was the guy helping me. And I said, I said, okay, uh, yeah, I'd like to try that. And he goes, oh, no, you can't try it until you buy it. He goes, <laughs> this is true. This is a true story. And I go, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah, no. He goes, you, you have to buy it, and then you can try it. And uh, that was it. <laughs> So I, uh, I, I, uh, I wasn't mad. I was just, obviously what I thought was, um, if this is how, if this is how, you know, he basically, like I said, he trying to put it perfectly. This is what I'm trying to tell Matt as well. Um, once he gets my money, I'm assuming in most cases, he's not going to treat me as well as when he wants my money. And that's how he was treating me without having my money. So I figured once I gave it to him, boy, if he doesn't give a crap now, he's really not going to give a crap with his, okay, I got your money and no return policy. So I didn't buy it. I do regret not buying it. I should have bought it. But, uh, you know, things, you know, whatever. So that's my answer to your question. (laughs) Syndicate, okay, says, hey, Phil, uh, I purchased a 2021 PRS SE Custom 24. I'm looking to upgrade the tuners, but you recommend the PRS locking tuners over the ratio tuners? No, I don't. I recommend that them for direct replacement, and they work great. I prefer ratio tuners. That's uh, so. Again, this is the problem, right? You know, it's like well, you know, you make multiple videos and you say things, and one video doesn't necessarily necessarily cancel out another video. In tuner world. <laughs> My favorite tuners, me personally, quality-wise, I like ratio tuners. They're really good. I like them. I just like the way they feel. I like that. I think they're great. Like I said, uh, easy, easy, easy peasy, so to speak. I would put ratio tuners on every guitar if it wasn't for the fact that if I did that, it would be seriously like three grand. I don't know what it would cost. It's thousands of dollars to do that for me if I did it to every guitar. So I'm not going to do it. <laughs> it's just too much money. Um, I have to hate the tuners, you know what I mean? Not hate them, but I need, I need, I need to need to replace those tuners to put the ratios on there, and which I've done. Whenever I don't like tuners, I put ratios on there. Um, but the PRS tuners are good. I have them on my other my other PRSs, and they're fine. And they're direct replacements, even though the ratios have the adapter plates and they're direct replacements. But they're also more money. If you're looking for a uh, endorsement, if you want me to to tell you what I what I prefer, I would. And if if I was you and I would buy the ratios. They're just more money. That's it. <laughs> it's super easy. If you want to save a little money and get the PRS ones, they're direct mount and they look great and they they work great and they're fantastic and there's no problems with them, but I prefer the ratios. There you go. Um, okay, so hold on a second. Let me... Okay, Vibe D said... What is he saying? He's saying, I have a... 05 made in Mexico standard strat, which does not indicate original contour body on the headstock. However, my 2011 American standard does. Thoughts. It's not thoughts. It's just how they do that stuff. First of all, um, 
that stuff is, they do that. They've done that throughout the years. They've done that stuff where they moved off that stuff, the decals, the patent numbers, all that stuff. They just move stuff around. The Your 2005 made Mexico Stratus before the big change. I want to say the change happened in 07. So your standard, your Mexico standard strat will uh, say like made Mexico on the front of the headstock and it will have smaller fret wire. Thinner, I should say, thinner, narrower, like more like vintage, but not quite like vintage fret wire. Where in 2007, they standardized a bunch of things. One of the things they did is they put the same fret wires on the American uh, strats to make things just easy. Uh, you know, just less di- less differences means less different product SKUs to have to worry about for parts because of the recession. They were trying to try to standardize cost a little bit. Um, I'm sure. Uh, but one of the things that happened in 2007 is they also decided, probably because it was recession, they're trying to sell damn guitars. They moved the main Mexico to the back of the headstock. <laughs> so, uh, so that's another thing. Um, so it's just probably how, how they did it. Um, look, 2005 main Mexico strats, great. There's nothing wrong with them. But you got to understand, for a while, Fender was doing everything in their power. That's why it's like 21 frets. Like the new players, main Mexico strats, have 22 frets like the American counterparts. Uh, made in USA. <laughs> I know I always hear somebody going, you know, Mexico is in America too. I understand that, but they're called American strats. So, uh, so yeah, the main USA strats uh, had 22 frets. The main Mexico ones had 21 all the way up to like the player series. So then they standardized or converted that so that they look more alike. Um, the main Mexico 2005s, again, probably not having the, uh, the original contour body sticker and stuff. Uh, it's again, it's just more ways that they were just trying to like, it's not, an, it's not a main USA model. It was just, that's what that was built around. That was built around this idea that you would walk into a music store and the music store would had to explain to you why the hell you had to spend more money for the other strat. And they'd be like, well, cause, cause the real answer sucks. <laughs> Here's the real answer. It sucks. It's, Okay, so somebody comes in your store and says, what's the difference between this main Mexico strat and this main USA strat? Well, you can't go, well, this one's Alder and this one's Alder because that's dumb. And you're like, oh, well, they have both maple necks. By the way, everyone who likes to tell me like uh, in the comments, like, like, oh, they sort the woods differently. Not when I was there, they weren't. <laughs> they look the same. You know, I mean, they do different body blanks of different pieces, but again... That stuff is so minor in the idea of it. So you got to understand the driving point has to be more than just this costs more because it costs more to make it in the United States and this one costs less because it made in, in Mexico. Although that is a big factor that they don't want that to be the sales pitch. That sounds insane to, to, new, to a new player. <laughs> right? Why is this more? Well, we make it two hours north of the other place and therefore costs more money because of the country it's in, Right. That's not a great sales tactic. So you want to be like, oh, this has 22 frets and the made Mexico only has 21 and the made Mexico has smaller frets and it doesn't have the original contour sticker like they did originally back in the 50s. And right. So it just becomes a thing. I should pull it out. I have it still. I have the sales training manuals that Fender gives to stores. They were one of the few companies that did that. They they have training manuals they give to you to teach you how to sell this stuff to different customers. And it's that stuff. That's so that stuff I'm pulling out of my butt right now. That's stuff from that manual. <laughs> that's the stuff you're supposed to say, Oh, well, you need this because this is different. And slowly over time, if you know, if you haven't noticed, they've been basically making those things less and less and less and less to where they're almost identical in a lot of ways because 
Now it's as easy as, yeah, this one's made in Mexico and this one's, I think it's because people are familiar with the concept. We make it in the United States, it costs a lot. We make it in China, it costs less. So we charge you less, I guess. Seems like, a, again, very generic broad stroke on that subject. But again, we can't spend an hour on every subject. Okay, so uh, Vimps69 says, I think I said that right. <laughs> Vimps69 says, hey, Phil, just got an EVH LBX3 Stealth. Should I put an Echoplex pedal in the front of the preamp or in the loop? Does it make a difference? Thanks uh, for all the great videos. So two things. First, yes, you should put the Echoplex uh, pedal uh, in the loop, right? Because uh, it's going to sound cleaner. I like it better. However, um, I don't know. I, I don't. You know, I don't know if Eddie put his uh, time-based effects in the effects loops of the new EVHs. I never looked. I, I don't know if. I don't think they ever did a rig rundown of Eddie Van Halen's rig for the current rig before he passed away. My point is, originally he didn't. He put that stuff, like everybody, in the front of the amps because they didn't have an effects loop. So I guess what I'm trying to say is you can put it in the front because they used to do that back in the day, but with that amp and that much gain, I would definitely stick that stuff in the effects loop. You'll you'll love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Like it's, I, If you notice when I do my videos, my Dirty Shirley, the, the LBX, I'm always running the stuff in the effects loop. So... Uh, Ted says, Hey Phil, I just bought a used 2010 Fender vintage modified 40 watt tube combo. Okay. Just wanted to know any stronger weak points of this amp. Thanks. I, oh yeah, yeah. The vintage modified. So the vintage modified was, uh, a, a series of amps that they did that, uh, it was a tube amp. I don't know how much of that is tube. So it's two power section. It's built, it was built off the same series as the Super Champ. So it didn't last. So that, that when they came out with that series, there was the Vibro Champ, the Super Champ, and then the Vintage Modified 40 uh, amplifier. That was the three amplifiers in that series. So it's like, they, that's how they're going to do that. And then within a very short period of time, they got rid of the Vibro Champ and the Vintage Modified uh, 40 watt and just went with the, the Super Champ uh, combo and head and cabinet. So, uh, that's what happened. That's where that went. Uh, but, uh, and I think it might've made, been made in China. So what it was, the three amps, I think were all made in China. I think, I know for a fact the Vibros and the, and the Super Champs were. And then when they went to the Super Champ, they, they brought those to me back to main Mexico. But the reason is, uh, that's important is the Vintage Modified has a digital effects. So it's, I, I think it's, uh, two, two power section. It might have... I just don't have any preamp tubes. So like the Super Champs, the hybrid amp. It's got some tubes, but it's also got some transistors stuff going on and some modeling going on in there. Um, and the same thing with it. I think the Vintage Modified does the same thing. I think it's got a little bit of that, little of that uh, stuff. I love that stuff, by the way. I love that stuff. Um, I think anytime they kind of do that stuff, it, it, it uh, you know, if it makes the amp sound great, it makes it sound great. Um, it works. So uh, strong points and weak points of the amp. I don't really think it has, I mean, you know, obviously, uh, I'm assuming you didn't pay a crazy amount of money for it. It's not, it wasn't a crazy expensive amp when it came out. They're very reasonably priced. Even in today's market, I think they're still pretty reasonably priced, you know, they're, uh, and they sounded good. I like them. Um, I used to have, uh, the 40 watt head on the oversized 212 cab they made. It was great. <laughs> uh, I, I really liked that amp. 
I think it was just physically just I had that cabinet which is too, too huge. So, so on strong points, I think it sounds good. Obviously, it's a it's a cool amp with cool features. Weak points, obviously, if it's you know it's 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 going to be a lot of PC board based stuff. But Fender's really good at figuring this stuff out. They're one of the best at figuring out how to make stuff work. Um, I mean, that's you know that's kind of what they do. that's why they own the market. They're smart. They know they know. Here's here's the thing about Fender. They're they're smart in the idea that they know how to make stuff last long enough so that they they still keep their brand equity, right? They don't want to make stuff that just goes to crap on you right away, right? They want it to last a little while. Um, so they, they build stuff. So even when they take shortcuts and cheap it out on you a little bit, that stuff is, yeah, does that mean it won't, will it last 30, 40 years? No, but will it last 10, 20 years? Yeah, so I think you're fine say uh flackmar okay flackmar uh says uh flackmar says would you happen to know of a squire price strat with a soft v and a seven and a quarter radius <laughs> bless my cotton socks that's funny um i don't i don't know uh, i don't know if the classic vibe has that does it have the seven and a quarter? I don't know if that's spec. I, well, here's the deal. I don't know if they have seven and a quarter because I haven't looked at one re- recently. I'm pretty sure they don't have soft Vs. I haven't seen any with soft V. If, you know what I think they should do? <laughs> so you know. Uh, just because I've been saying this for years. I wish Fender would make an Eric Johnson Squire Strat. I think it would be the biggest selling Strat in the Squire artist range ever. I still swear by this. If you want to buy the best Strat for the money from Fender, it's the Eric Johnson Strat. If you look at the Eric Johnson specs, they don't even make any damn sense. I know. I used to sell them all the time. We just same thing. We just doesn't make any sense. You can take anyone. I don't care any of the Fender custom shop guitars, the Journeyman, all that stuff. Take any of those Strats. Go on, pick your website. You can go to Wildwood Guitars. You can go to Sweetwater, right? AMS, right? Go to go to whoever you're, you know, whoever you like to go and drool over guitars late at night. <laughs> go any one of those guys that sell custom shop guitars. Look at any of the specifications on any of those four thousand dollar custom shop Strats, and then go look on the spec sheet on an Eric Johnson Strat, and you'll laugh your ass off it's lacquer like they are it's uh it's quarter sawn maple neck instead of riffs on or flats on neck like the custom shops are it's um it's specked out with a soft v 50s neck but with a 12 inch radius which is fantastic it's in cool colors they're usually balanced weights um cool features great sounding pickups my favorite thing about the eric johnson strat the favorite thing about that strat is it doesn't say his name on the guitar. It's not on the headstock. It's on the the. It's not even his name. There's a um, there's a uh, uh, Cocapelli uh, uh, a character. Cocapelli is a, a, a an Indian character. Um, I shouldn't say character. It's like a fertility god, right? Fertility, like uh, again, because I don't want to mess this up. Because it's from here. It's from Arizona. It's a fertility god for uh, like the the lands, not like women, although. Uh, for some reason here, they put it in like hotels. <laughs> it's a weird thing in Arizona. Anyways, the Cocopelli is like fertility god for like the lands, right? Make fertile lands. And that's my very general understanding of it, okay? So again, if I'm wrong, I'm just, I'm, I, at least you get the idea it's right. Uh, so that's what's on the neck plate, right? And then a serial number, which means you can just pop that off and put another Fender neck plate on there. 
and put it away. And then no one even knows you have an Eric Johnson. You could take that Eric Johnson and tell all your friends, like, this is a Fender Custom Shop. They literally wouldn't know. It's so good. Stagger tuning, keys. I think it's bone nut. It's fantastic. Specked out. I, I think they should make an Eric Johnson Squire, which wouldn't help you because it would give you the soft V, but not the seven and a quarter because they'd probably put 12 on it. But mm, there's my, there's you go. So here's the answer. Okay. Travis says, I feel like Michael Kelly guitars are underpriced. Am I wrong? The Michael Kelly guitars are now owned by Sam Ash. The Sam Ash guys reached out to me before COVID and asked me if I would review a Michael Kelly guitar. I responded to them with this great, I think it was Ben Ash I was talking to. I can't remember. I can't remember. It could have been Richard. Um, and I said, uh, yeah, and here's my plan. I said, I want to go over your line of guitars. So, like, you know, pick three different guitars. I think it was three guitars, three different price points, and do reviews of those. And then COVID happened. It's been a mess. I will try to reach out back out to the Sam Ash guys, uh, to Sammy or Richard or Ben or one of those guys, and get some of those guitars on the on the channel. I really do. It's It comes up so much on you with you guys on the channel, and there's no reason not to have them here. Uh, because, like I said, sometimes, you know, I deal with companies, and they just don't care. Th- these guys... I know these guys, they're really cool. They've been very kind to the channel. And of course we've, we've, you know, videos I've, I've done, uh, where I was in their store stuff, got millions of views. So, I mean, they, they value, you know what I mean? The channel. So I'm, I don't think it'll be a problem to get some Michael Kelly guitars sent out. Maybe, maybe we can do that. Maybe that'll be a focus for next month. Uh, mad Chris, two, two, 2249. Mad Chris says, Phil, at what point as a player, do you think getting different pedals can actually make your playing more interesting? And as I, as a beginner player, uh, is it worth the time getting different pedals? No, the analogy I like, cause you know, I like analogies is the cake analogy. Okay. You got to make great cake. Frosting doesn't make cake. <laughs> so if you take crappy cake, I know this is horrible, but just go with it. If I take a crappy dry cake and I put good frosting on it or chocolate frosting on it, it's going to taste like. The first, the bite will start with, oh, chocolate and then crappy cake. So that's my point is pedals are frosting. <laughs> they are. They're great tools for inspirating, uh, inspiration for songwriting. They're great tools for grading tones. They great, make great textures in your songwriting, in your playing, but it has nothing to do with the value of how you play and what you play. And So no, the pedals should always be uh, not you're you're in your process uh for playing guitar and you gotta understand uh don't confuse because again this i understand where where, if you're new to this because you're saying you're kind of a newer beginner player where all of us players talking all the time we say things and it gets a little confusing so i want to i want to clear things up for you a little bit so here's something that will clear you up a little bit inspiration has nothing to do with practice when you're a beginning guitar player you don't need inspiration you need practice Inspiration is what the issue of inspiration is what happens as you become uh, fatigued with the fact that you're just you're in a rut or you're stuck because you've been doing things for so long. Right. You can only everything as a beginner should feel inspiring. <laughs> right. It should, and, I, and I mean that. I mean, a lot of times beginners will go, oh, I've been playing and in the last six months. I only I only got this three chord change back. And and I go, yeah, but. If you really look back, you are progressing, and those progressions are inspirational. So in your in your case, if you're beginning your playing, uh, is it worth getting different pedals? No. No. It'll lead you down the wrong rabbit hole. You know what I mean? That's stuff. That's, again, that's textures. That's frosting, right? You're, you're, right now, you're eggs, flour, making a cake. 
make the best cake ever and worry about the frosting later. So uh, I would focus on the uh, the playing. Um, it's not sexy to say that. It's boring. And I could throw a whole like, oh, you could get a couple pedals and have a little side fun, but I wouldn't. I would stay focused. It's why I like all these new digital practice amps. So I don't have any hate for those stupid amps. I say stupid because everybody's always bagging on some digital amp. Some Somebody always has a problem with some modeling Line 6 or Blackstar, Marshall or whatever modeling amp. Look, that stuff's great. No, you, you get one of those. If you're a beginner, you get one of those. It has every sound you need and you just start playing and play and play and play and worry about all the other stuff. It's, it'll be, you'll know when to worry about that stuff. <laughs> you will. Don't, don't anticipate. You'll know. You'll, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll need that for your tone textures and stuff. Uh, Adam says, how can I keep my whammy bar from falling out of my Parker Nightfly? Uh, there's an adjustment on the back of that bridge that you don't notice. Uh, so, you know, uh, you have to push the tremolo down and there'll be an Allen wrench, uh, adjustment to tighten that, um, that down. That's that's it. They're all on almost all tremolos have them. They're just hidden, and, and you know, that's it. <laughs> it's super easy. So uh, look for it. It's either in the back, probably on the back on the ba- the plate that's you know that is black, the black base plate. Uh, it's there on the back, or it's in uh, underneath under the in the block itself. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's in the back. But it's a, just an adjustment with a little Allen wrench. That's it. You tighten that down. It's fantastic. Uh, get a little flashlight. You'll need it because it's small and it's hard to see. Uh, <laughs> Ned, Ned Amendo <laughs> says, hello, Ned here. Hey, good. I'm just going to call you Ned. Ned here. Love your show. Your opinion on Hughes and Kinder Ant-Man. Uh, oh, Hughes and Kinder Ant-Man, DSM, Humboldt, some, I don't know, and other pedal amps. Oh, so these are all like pedal amps. I have no opinions on them. Isn't that horrible? That's the... Uh, I say horrible because, you know, you ask the question and I don't have an answer. Uh, I don't use any, the only amp pedal based thing I've used and or like is the Thomas Blug. Thomas Blug uh, was the amp designer at Hughes & Kittner for 20 years, made, made most of the, or design, helped design some of the, the best Hughes & Kittner amps ever. Um, uh, and he makes that uh, the amp one and I like the amp one. Um, that's kind of like the what I like, I haven't really tried a whole lot of the pedal amps things and the ones I have plugged into briefly didn't really inspire me to keep going down that journey. So, and, but that doesn't mean they're bad. It's just, it, I didn't really have that need. I don't really have that need. You know what I mean? Uh, that's a very, that's a very, I want to say niche, but that's a very specific need to want your pedal board to be powered to take that places and do that. I don't really need that. Um, I don't use a whole lot of pedals, so I really don't want a, pe- a pedal amp. Usually when I go, I like pedals for, again, here at the house. If I go jam with somebody, you're never going to see me with a pedal board when I go jam with somebody. I grab an amp, and then I try to make everything happen with that amp. Um, because I don't uh, I don't have like a song catalog where I'm trying to recreate all the sounds with all these pedals. I'm usually jamming a bunch of songs with a bunch of friends, or I'm doing something, and again, in an environment where the more stuff that go wrong is just going to be bad. All right. Old man Fran says, when you change pickups, how do you set initial height? Um, so I, I did a video again. That's the whole point. Of all the review videos, having piece of information like that. Um, I use this, uh, like two millimeter thick ESP wrench as kind of guideline. Um, 
that's kind of what I, I do. Set it like two millimeters, a general uh, way of setting it, and then start adjusting from there. Um, and that's it. And I just start a baseline. And to be honest with you, I sometimes don't really do that. I just like, kind of eyeball it. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit like that. I set it and then I just start using my ear. Cause again, every pickup is different. Everybody wants a standard answer to that question. And the problem with the standard a answer to the question is there's no standard pickups and guitars. In other words, saying something about a single coil is different than uh, a humbucker, humbucker, high output humbucker versus an EMG, which again has a very low uh, uh, magnetic field. Is it different? You can get closer with the EMG than you can with uh, a passive pickup. So again, use your ear. And I, when I find that answer seems to be troubles, troublesome for so many players because they don't, you know, it's, it's tough. Cause that, that means you have to do all this stuff and, and have, and they have a lot of doubt of like whether or not they're doing it right. And they like an answer where it's like, Oh, you two millimeters off the base and three millimeters on this side and you're nailed it. Um, but it's not as easy as that. Um, so there you go. Uh, and then sometimes it depends. I'll do, I just did it the other day. I had a guitar and I, I just, the pickups were really hot. So I took, I lowered them as low as they, they could go, start playing for a few minutes. And then after about a minute or two, I raised them a little bit and raised them a little bit, not to hear or not to, to find the sweet spot, but to slowly figure out if I could keep them as far away from the string as possible. And I find a spot. I finally found the spot because I was trying to keep them as far away from the string as possible for the tone I was going after with that guitar and I found a spot where, you know, it didn't sound hollow anymore. It sounded, it sounded good, but it was still as far away as I can get. Um, Sunmaster did a super chat. I appreciate that. Byron says, I have a Kiesel with a roasted maple neck. Is it possible to stain it or make it darker without ruining it? It has a standard tongue oil finish on it. Uh, I don't know is the, is the answer I have to give on that, but I would caution you not to do it, uh, one and two. And I mean, obviously you might want to reach out to Kiesel, you know, the, the guys at Kiesel, um, and, uh, and, and ask, just send an email to them to customer service or call his guys. I mean, I would just send an email to them cause they're usually pretty on it for that stuff. Um, but, uh, here's my thing about the roast maple necks. They are, their own set of problems. I like them a lot, but they have their own problems. First, they dent real easy, which is which is freaky. Um, they scratch easy. They because uh, they're like kind of like hard and brittle. Does that make sense? It, it's kind of the thing. So I don't know how the finish gets uh, affected on there. I do know it's got to be possible to some degree because of the fact that I've seen uh, I've seen roasted necks that are stained. I've seen manufacturers doing it, but I just don't know. I don't. I haven't done it yet. It, I mean, let's be clear. Uh, roasted maple necks are kind of. Uh, I bought so many roasted maple neck guitars over the last year or two just because I'm trying to get familiar with them because I knew customers were going to start bringing them to me, and they are. And I wanted to know uh, some of the things. And one of the things I've learned is, is, is this is what I was after. This is all I really cared about. I wanted to know what the pitfalls are, so I made them, not made them with other other uh, customers' guitars, which is, uh, they are very delicate. They don't shrink and they don't get fret sprout and they take humidity well and they take uh, dryness well in other words climates well but they will dent and scratch super easy robert baker says i'm not the robert baker the rb but it is my real name <laughs> so he's saying he's not robert baker the youtube channel but do you have the hair like robert baker the youtube channel do you have long hair down your butt um 
Yeah, see, I would be jealous of Robert Baker's hair, except for all I think of when I see his hair is not, wow, it'd be cool to have hair is, that's just another thing I'd have to do. (laughs) So I said, okay, so he says he picked up a 96 made in Mexico Strat to sharpen, lifted the, lifted fret, won't seat, tried a fret hammer, glue, clamp, won't stay, ideas, take it out, refret it. Um... That's here's what I don't know. Again, this is the downfall sometimes of a, of a live show podcast talking about a problem I can't see. Part of the problem could be the fret is not the fret needs to be radius to the radius of that neck. You're telling me it's a 96 made in Mexico Strat, and that's a nine and a half inch radius fretboard ish. Because again, nine and a half it, it, it nine and a half inch radius is ish right it could actually be a little flatter it could be a little more rounded depending on how much they aggress- they sanded it that day um, but more importantly the fret needs to be radius to that and sometimes when they lift um, they're not just lifted they've been bent and there's too they're they're just not you know what i mean so it, it needs to be rebent down um, if you pulled it out and you technically had a, a radius roller you could roll it again and maybe stick it in and stuff but uh, uh, it's a 96 so what I'm saying is a new fret job. Now, here's the kick. Uh, you're saying, yeah, obviously you're telling me you have a fret hammer. You're telling me you're gluing. I, I'm assuming you have, you're, you're somewhat understanding of the principles of what's going on. If it was me, I would yank all the frets and refret it. Here's what I would recommend to you, 96 Strat. I would go online and buy the pre-cut Fender Radius, 9.5 inch Radius, frets which will be the medium tall whatever it is they they have them now it's whatever's on the damn mexican made uh uh, strats and american strats now uh it'll be that part you can find them online it's a whole set you get 22 of them they're already cut and radius uh for you super easy uh you get that set and basically you pull the frets on that guitar and then you clean out those slots and make sure they're really nice and then you put in these new frets and you have nice new frets and you'll do a little work. It'll be a lot of work, but I guarantee you this, no matter how much hard work it is, it's going to be probably less hard work than you chasing that problem. And that's, and I'm I'm coming at you as a repair tech, as a repair tech, I can't afford to spend the whole day chasing a problem like that. So that's my solution for that. Sometimes as a hobbyist at home, that's the worst advice because you're like, that sounds like a bigger project than I'm trying, right? You don't want a bigger project. So I can't tell you that advice. I can only give you the advice, uh, what I would do. That's what I would do. Uh, if you don't feel like you can refret the guitar, then yeah, you might want to take it somewhere to get that done. Or, unfortunately, as you may already know, the refret job might cost so much that it might make sense to buy a new made in Mexico neck. And in my opinion, the new ones are better. Your 96, like I said, has smaller fret wire. It's not my thing. But again, if you love that smaller fret wire, you're probably going to hate the new fret wire. You have to take that in consideration. All the things I'm telling you, I'm just, you can take the information. You decide what to do with it. Um, the other thing you can do is you can, uh, when you say you clamped it, what did you clamp it with? So if you watched my videos, I have these brass uh, plates that you can get from Stu Mac, or you can fi- find, somebody probably makes a copy of it out there uh but you go to stu mac and that way you can look at the tool right again i use stu mac tools because i get paid and i want to i want the best tools to do the job because i get paid for it i understand if you're a hobbyist and 
you don't want to pay that kind of money, you, you, you got to still use their template idea and buy the cheaper one, I guess. But you, that radius uh, block, it's a brass block and it has its bent or it's formed, machined out, I should say, to the correct radius. And then you can use that and clamp that down and that will help press it. Because again, if you're pressing one side of it, like if you're using a rubber uh, a rubber clamp, a clamp with rubber ends and you're trying to do that, it's not, it's not going to do the, what you're thinking. You really need to put the pressure on that fret and force. And hopefully, the because the glue, the glue is there to take, because you can't have the glue solve the problem. The glue just has to be added bonus. So in other words, if the fret is popping out, like this, like forcibly, the glue is never going to hold it in. Even if you got it to hold in in a month or two, if you're lucky a month or two, a couple week in a month or two, it's going to pop anyways, or slowly, which is worse. It won't pop. It'll slowly keep creeping back up on you and getting worse and worse and worse. So again, you have to do that. Um, I would normally tell you if it was a newer guitar with, you know, you could just get a fret and redo it, but my guess is because it's 96, you got to have some kind of fret wear going on there. And so my guess is even if you got a matched fret, you're still going to have to plane it down like crazy. You could try doing one fret, reseat one fret, and just <laughs> level them. That's another solution too. All those kind of work. All right. Um, and like I said, that will be the last super chat. I know there was probably some more after that. Uh, you know what? There's just a couple. All right. I'll, I'll do it just because I, I was, okay, because, uh, you know, we'll just knock them out. Uh, Adrian says, hey, Phil, loving your content, uh, brother. Keep up the good work. What's your thoughts on the hardtail strats? Love them to death. Uh, he's, he loves them to death. Hardtail strats. You know, I have a, sl a slight regret. Um, when I did the Illuminati neck, the Illuminati, Illuminati neck, aluminum neck, I bought a, uh, from Stratosphere, a main Mexico Strat body. And um, I really should have bought the Robert Cray hardtail body. You can buy one of those. And now it's kind of dumb to buy that because I already bought the other one. Uh, so that's my answer is, yeah, I want a hardtail Strat. And that would have been a great way to do it, put it on that neck on that body. So I might do it. So yeah, I like them. I do like them. I don't love them. So in other words, I still like having my tremolo, but I would like to have one Strat with hardtail. It'd be fun. Uh, Jake says just ordered the olive green casino from sweetwater wow uh, on back order plan on upgrading the pickups any recommendations was thinking lawler lawlers are fantastic yeah <laughs> yeah you, look it, 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 lawler the thing about lawler that's impressive that that always kind of makes me nuts on youtube with uh the as the whole of the audience not not necessarily this the smaller community that watches the channel with the bigger audience is I'm constantly doing pickup videos. I'm constantly talking about pickups because pickups are so important to the sound of the guitar. And I think of it funny all the time. Like Lawler is a perfect example. Like if I needed an example to explain something to, to somebody, it would be Lawler. Every time you see an amazing guitar, uh, Collings or some kind of high end, crazy price guitar, some guitar that's just amazing. They have lollers in them, <laughs> of course, right? It's like the go-to pickup for high-end guitars. So what's funny about that is when I mention lollers to people, they go, oh, that's crazy. And I go, well, you know what's crazy is, is that arguably, arguably, I could take a, a casino like you have and put lollers in it, and I'm going to get pretty darn close to that amazing tone that the Collings has. It won't feel, a fit and finish won't feel right. There'll be a few things here and there, but 
let me tell you, uh, let me tell you this. If I AB those two guitars and plug them in, you would probably hear, I'm guessing maybe people go, oh, the callings have a little bit sweeter definition and maybe a little warmth in the tone, whatever. But, but we would be 70% there to the sound. And what's funny is we'd be 70% to the sound and the Lawlers and your guitar added together is 30% of the price. Pickups crack me up. You can buy good pickups and put them in cheap guitars and literally get 70% of the way to the high-end guitars at 30% of the price. It's, no, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. Nice pickups can really make a guitar great. They can make a good guitar great. That's how it works. So I like your ideas, what I'm trying to say. All right. On that note, I think I will see you guys next week. As always, I want to do a big shout out to the patrons that support this podcast. This podcast is 100% supported by patrons. That is the sponsor of the show. And I appreciate them very much because without them, I wouldn't be doing this. As always, like I said, thank you and know your gear.